No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. The mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. process that cannot be understood by stopping it. We must move with the flow of the process. We must join it. We must flow with it. this i first saw it in theaters on opening weekend oh, um, i'm so jealous i know um the person i saw it with she liked it so much she went home and watched it the next day on hbo uh yeah and then i also watched it the next day after i watched it the first time really or maybe it was two days later you saw it in theaters and then now where'd you watch it now i downloaded it illegally and watched it on the tv i mean so- for any cops that are listening by illegal it's opposite day but only for the word illegal um so it meant the opposite of illegal whenever i say illegal oh that's smart dude that's a good tactic yeah um did your version have a thing where before the logo of whatever it is warner brothers or whatever even flashed it had this weird like more over what voice and it said uh dreams are messages from the deep yeah yes I that's a trippy thing to have right when you play it. Yeah, I know it was super trippy. I, um, I was very surprised. I actually was like, when that first started up, like I wasn't fully paying attention. I was like, does this download have like trailers for other stuff? Like, yeah, because like, I was not expecting that to happen right away. Which I should be expecting it because I saw it in theaters. I'm sure it happened in theaters. Um, yeah, totally. A cool thing about I did not realize this: those voices that he hears in his dreams. There's, I guess there's three different voices. They're Bene Gesserit's. One of them was played by Marianne Faithful, which I was like, oh, wow. That, you know, Who's that? Marianne Faithful. She was like a singer from the 60s. She was uh, dating Mick Jagger, uh, and she's been putting out albums ever since. So. But oh, okay. It, it was just kind of a – I had no idea. It was kind of cool, but it was also yeah. – begs the question of – seems like a waste of money, right? Like, why? It's like I was just watching Gremlins the other night, day, and it's like they have Howie Mandel do all of Gizmo's voices, and it's like, why spend all that money on? <laughs> well, like it's like uh, King Shark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. <laughs> well, obviously, there's a bunch of dreams in this in this movie, and like weird daydreams and shit. And I legitimately just wanted to know if you've had any crazy or weird or wild dreams lately, or any dreams that have stuck with you. Um, because well. you know how like it's this it's this like trope or i don't know what you call it like a uh, what's it called like a stereotype that like people who talk about their dreams are boring as shit and like everyone's like oh they're bringing up their dreams i've never really agreed with that but maybe that means i'm just boring as shit i 
Because I've always I like dreams totally. are cool as hell. There's just fucking crazy surreal. Yeah. <laughs> shit. <laughs> I've never agreed with that. Yeah. I'm one of those assholes. <laughs> I try not to. Every once in a while, I do. But right now, what are they? They can just turn it off. I'm gonna. Yeah. I can do whatever. You know. So I want to know if you've had one recently that stuck with you. I can't think of any recently. At least none that are PG. You get my. Nice. You get my drift. Yeah, I'm having <laughs> sex in my dreams. <laughs> oh man yes yeah, um yeah i can't really think of um, any okay well what about you um can i tell you about a crazy ass dream i had yes please do please tell our audience okay. too all right y'all this one fucked me up i was in bed asleep <laughs> in the dream or is this like no. setting up the <laughs> this is me being high and trying to start a story you know like when you yeah. start your story of your day with like first i woke up and it's like dude everyone yeah. okay i'm in this dream it's long and complicated i won't go to, into all the details but at some point i end up in a room and i kind of forget the rest of the dream and i think i realize at, i don't know how long i'm in there but i realize that i've been in this room for eternity and for some reason through the course of the stuff that happened before I, like, know that I'm in some sort of simulation, but I don't know if it's... I don't think of the word dream, but, like, something like that, if I'm, like, hallucinating, if I'm, like, in a, in the Matrix, whatever. I don't know, but I know I'm in something that's wrong and not quite right, but that I've been there for literally ever. And I start freaking out, and I'm like, I've been in this room forever, how do I get out? And then I remember that there's a door in the room, and I can get out that way. And I'm like, I've gotten out that way before. And as I start getting towards the end of this long, it's more like a warehouse. By the time I start getting towards the door, I start thinking to myself, like, wait, if I've gotten out before, then how am I still here? That doesn't make any sense. And I get to where I thought the door was, and there's a like a podium. And on the podium is a book. And I look at the book, and it's an autobiography I've written about myself escaping the room. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I think, oh, no. I was stuck here for so long, my only way of getting out was to trick myself into thinking I got out by writing the book of my life and ending it with me getting out. But now is the moment when I'm realizing, again, the reality. Like, I've fallen yeah. for the trick. And I start fucking losing my mind because I'm sure I'm just trapped in a room for eternity and that I've gone crazy. And I just start, like, freaking out in the dream and, like, huddling and, like, shaking and, and like, trying to, like, force my brain out of it and going, like, you have to get out. You can make yourself get out. And then I woke up. So, like, in reality, I was <laughs> in a fucking fake reality. And I did think I was stuck there forever. And I did escape. And I fucking lost my mind dude i like couldn't sleep i was shaking i started like tweeting about it it was like 3 a.m and like for like an hour and then peter gelderloose i don't know if you know him but the author saw it and was like hey dude do you know do you have anybody like in your house or in your area that you can check in with it seems like you might need some grounding i think maybe you, you told me about that part i don't think you told me the whole dream but i think you told me about whoever that author is tweeting at you like if you have anybody or maybe i was just looking at your twitter page and i saw that or something i don't know or maybe i'm still in the fucking that's possible yeah dude who knows anymore <laughs> anyway that was my craziest dream recently i do remember one time years ago i had like a one of those uh loop dreams where like i kept 
waking up, but then I was actually still in the dream, and then it was all it was all just a loop where I'd wake up again, and then I'd be like, oh. and I like explain to like the people there, like oh, I I've been fucking, I've been stuck in this dream, and then like I'd wake up again, I'd be in the same place, and oh. and I would just keep freaking out, which uh, yeah, and it seemed like it was going on for eternity. <laughs> Damn. I hate um, that. And that was that's like the worst acid trips I've ever I know, seen. I was, you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, I was about to say uh, that was, if anything, alcohol, but maybe not even alcohol. Um, but no, like, yeah. no drugs really. I've always, for years, I've been like, I should really start uh, journaling my dreams because same, it, it helps you remember. It helps it you have not just remember the specific dreams but it helps build a memory that you can start remembering dreams better the more you journal them and yeah. think about them so i've always wanted to but i never actually do because when i wake up i'm just like oh fuck i gotta get ready for work and yeah yeah totally i think that the the keeping a journal also helps you like i mean anything that i think puts your intention and thoughts in the day around dreams i think helps get towards like lucid dreaming yeah and that's one of the crazy things about lucid dreaming is like, what does that do? Like, this is the line, dreams are messages from the deep. There's all this fucking psychoanalysis also about dream meaning, but what does it mean if you're then controlling it? Like, does it still have, I guess it has the same that meaning, means you're controlling it anyway. all of reality is a dream and you're in control of reality. So if you can lucid dream, that means you can do whatever you want in real life too. Whoa. It's true. If... It ever works for me. I'll be on this podcast talking about how I wrote a giant fucking worm in my dream last night. <laughs> and I Dude. wrote it all over all the cops and destroyed them. Oh, my God. Okay. Life goal. If I'm ever able to lose a dream again, or if you're able to lose a dream, we try to ride the worm, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> Do you think dreams are messages from the deep? Uh, Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. Welcome to No Gods, No <laughs> Monsters. I'm Rabbit. This is Charlie. Uh, we're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one is coming to save us. We're locked in the room forever. And uh, today we're talking about 2021's Dune. Charlie, you want to let us know what's going on with this movie? I forgot to say, um, after you told me about your dream, uh, you know what? Maybe people are right when they do say that hearing about other people's dreams are boring. Boom! Nice. <laughs> Blasted! Okay, synopsis time. <laughs> the year 10,191. That's right. Around 8,157 years after Earth is destroyed by capitalism. The planet, Caladan. That's right. The rain-soaked planet home to the Atreides. The house, Atreides. That's right. The nerd-ass, slightly fast rulers of Caladan who pride themselves on being not as shitty as some other noble houses and they make sure everybody knows this by constantly pumping them full of propaganda the destination arrakis that's right the desert planet colloquially known as dune that is home to the biggest darn graboids you've ever done seen graboids that would make even kevin bacon tremble in his boots the mopey ass sleeper boy paul that's right, the heir to House Atreides, who is definitely 15, and this time actually played by someone who is totally 15. <laughs> a lad who has been trained in the way of the Bene Gesserit, a faction of women who contain immense powers 
that they utilize in order to control politics in the hopes of eventually bringing forth the Kwisatz Haderach, a male who can tap into the genetic memories of both males and females. Holy fuck! Paul is a member of the Trades family, a powerful noble house that is at war with the grotesque Harkonnen family, a living embodiment of crude consumption. The Trades have been given rule of Arrakis, home to the powerful substance known as Spice Melange. Spice is a drug that allows space travel, and thus is highly valuable. However, they are given power of the planet Arrakis as a trap, part of a plan laid by the Emperor, who wishes to do away with a duke that he is afraid is becoming popular enough to challenge his supreme authority. With the Emperor's backing and the help of a traitor doctor, the living food bucket, Baron Harkonnen, brings ruin to the Atreides, killing the Duke and the majority of his followers. He unknowingly fails, however, at killing Paul and his Bene Gesserit mother. Big mistake, as Paul will now get high as fuck and meet up with the native population. The movie ends here, and I cannot even begin to guess what will happen next. Can you? <laughs> Tweet us your predictions at twitter.com slash nogodspot. <laughs> Or, to simplify things, in other words, a lot of groups of men are fighting each other. No, again, we can't. Politically, in space. There's a resource called Spice on a planet, and a family gets assigned to be in charge of it, and shit goes down. The son of that group gets crazy high. The end. For now. I cannot even begin to guess what will happen next. Can you? Tweet us your predictions at twitter.com slash nogodspot. Speaking of being in a fucking dream loop, dude. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Or in other words, just read the book, you freak. It's time to ride the worm because it's Denis Villeneuve's. I don't know how to pronounce it. Denis Villeneuve's Dune, baby. Dennis Villanueva or Daniel Villanueva? I think it's Denis. I think it's is. I think it's Denis Villeneuve. It's Denis. Daniel, and it's pronounced Villanueva. Villanueva is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's Denis. It's Dennis. But when I looked up pronunciation, it said you pronounce it Denis. Okay. Because it's D-E-N-I-S, and it's... But it says Dennis, and we're in America. Okay, because it's... It's time to ride the worm, because it's Dennis Villanueva's Dune, baby. Underwear. Damn, you're probably right, and yeah, I mean... But, you know, he's here. (laughs) He's Canadian, but he's here right now, okay? (laughs) That's a good point. Hey, baby, when you come here, you change your name. You change pronunciation historically yeah, yeah. <laughs> sucks it's fucked up okay i'm calling him denis just in case i'm wrong <laughs> because for those who don't know this is basically kind of like our part two of the dune discussion um our last episode before this was on david lynch's dune from 1984 that's kind of where we start talking about just like the 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 book and like the story in general, our history with the book, um, the world of Dune, like some geopolitical and Marxist implications of spice, our histories with the David Lynch and Dune. I don't know if we already said that. And so I don't know, like if you haven't seen that movie, you should still just listen to it. Cause if you're going to listen to this one, cause we're probably, I don't know who knows. They're both about Dune is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, also, we're probably going to have trouble not spoiling things that happen later in the story after this movie, because we've been talking about the book, talking about the first movie, probably going to make some comparisons or whatever, so it's possible that we'll minorly spoil some stuff for the next movie. If you can't handle that, then I'm so sorry. Yeah, and to clarify, if you don't know, this 
they split the book in half, and this is this film covers the first half of the book, and then the next film is going to cover the second half of the book. So we're it's kind of hard to just not talk about the second half of the book uh, if you're totally. familiar with it. Fucking Charlie, has your we are we went into our histories with Dune in the first one. Has your history with Dune changed since we recorded last? Uh, well, I added to the list that I recorded a podcast about the the nineteen eighty four David Lynch movie Dune. And, oh, sick! And then I watched uh, this Dune twice, so that's what I added to the history. Okay, sweet. Um, I also, look- I know I told you I'd only read one book. I've read all the books. Wait, really? Yeah, all third, uh, 20 or something. They're okay. sick, dude. Just trust me. They're really good. <laughs> There's not that many, so I know you're not speaking the truth. <laughs> I think there are, right? No. There's six in the main series, and then there's like 13 more or something. Really? I thought there yeah, was only like... Yeah, his son do a ton? I thought his son only did like, like a few more. At least like eight more. Huh. Hmm. We should look this up, because I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. Um, Herbie Herbert, how many tweet at us? Maybe it's like 13 total, not 13 on top. Who cares? Okay, more importantly, Charlie, I realized in our time away that instead of the Fremen, they should have been called the Spice Girls. (laughs) Pretty good, right? You know what the Spice Girls' first movie was? Uh, Spice World. Arrakis. (laughs) Yeah, baby. All right, <laughs> get ready for the real shit. You ready? Okay. Aaliyah equals Baby Spice and Scary Spice. <laughs> Paul, Posh Spice, obviously. Yeah. And then the other two were harder. I gave Jameis Sporty Spice and Stilgar Ginger Spice, but don't ask why. Okay, why? <laughs> I don't know. Huh. Uh, That's... That's my only. I like it. Um, So what later uh, when they do like a a, you know like a lady Ghostbusters or a um, a woke Black Christmas uh, when they do that version of Dune, they can make it the Spice Girls, and that will work perfectly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay. So. I'm trying to picture that movie right now. We got to get to it. Um, what is your, since we asked this for, for David Lynch, what's your history with Denis Villanueva? You told me that you really liked the new Blade Runner and you really like Arrival. That's my history. You haven't seen any of them? No. Oh, shit. Um, All right. Uh, so this yeah. is your first... Denis film. Yeah, um, Sicario is actually the one I'm probably most interested in. Uh, it's pretty good. You've seen Sicario? I guess you'll yeah. tell me when you tell me about his history. That one just feels like... Um, I don't know. This movie was exactly what I expected. And I feel like a lot of his other more sci-fi movies are going to be in the same way. that it'll, I, And Sicario, because it's more of a crime movie, I feel like maybe... It will be different than what I'd expect, I guess, because it's a whole different setting. Yeah, it'll definitely be different. I mean, some of the stuff he does best, I think, is setting the tone of a scene without having a ton of dialogue. Mm -hmm. 
and having really epic scale. And Sicario has the first one of those, but not the not the epic scale. Yeah, you know? it just seems like the way that you know those type of movies usually are. It'd be it wouldn't fit the sci-fi style that I can imagine that yeah. all his other sci-fi sci-fi movies uh, are like. I guess for sure. Um, so what's your history with him? You've seen all of his movies, and you've once uh, played high five with him. That's not a game. Yeah, I played high five. <laughs> he lost. <laughs> um, Does that just mean you, uh, put your, only... you put your hand up and he just fucking snubbed you? Is that how you lose when you play high five? No, with no. Someone? It was two out of three high fives and he lost. Okay. Um, I've seen the three movies that you mentioned. Okay. Um, I saw Blade Runner 2049 in theaters, which like was... It's yeah, it's really good, but it's not a movie I'm like drawn to watch mm. a lot. Like, but if it was going to be in theaters again, I'd go right away because it was. He's just awesome with like scale. Like they're made. His movies are made for the movies. Yeah. Um, Arrival is pretty good. It's cool. I think if I watched it a lot more, some of the things that feel smart about it might unravel. I have the sense that it has some stuff in it that like kind of twisty but then when you really think about it it won't be as cool but mm. i don't know that that's just the vibe but i had fun with it i liked the like concept and yeah sicario was good it didn't blow me away i think i was expecting a ton because i don't know i just really liked his other stuff and everybody was like that's his best movie or a lot of people said that and it was good but it yeah i don't know i think if i wasn't if i just watched it out of nowhere i'd be like damn that was fucking good yeah. but i just yeah once again i can imagine uh, that a lot of people say that because that's just that genre is just more uh, engaging and kind of uh, accessible than sci-fi in general, I guess, than like a big artsy epic sci-fi. I'm talking about the nerds I follow on like Letterboxd and shit. For that, sure. You know. Good point. Um, but yeah, fucking that, nerds. That, that could definitely be it. And some people just really like fucking gnarly violence. Also, some mm-hmm. people like that. It's a way more political film. Mm hmm. Like, Blade Runner kind of is, this kind of is, but that movie is, like, actually saying something where Arrival is too, but not in the same, like... Like, I could see people being like, there's actually a lot more substance here, and I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, shit, should we just talk about this movie? Let's talk away. Alright, so what did you generally think? I get the vibe you, like, liked it, didn't absolutely love it? Yeah, pretty much, um... Like I said, even though I'd never seen any of his movies, this was pretty much what I expected going into it. Um, I just kind of expected this kind of big, epic, super serious sci-fi thing where everything was epic and and artsy, but not like off-putting artsy, um, like very accessible artsy. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed it. It was I especially awesome seeing it in theaters, and I don't know, it's not. It's just not as much my kind of movie, I guess. Uh, um, sure. Oh, oh I want to say, like, up front, when I'm watching David Lynch's Dune versus this Dune, this Dune is kind of at a disadvantage because I go into the David Lynch's Dune thinking, okay, everyone says that this is a complete yeah. mess and a horrible movie. So I'm watching it like, well, how is it not a complete mess? And there's all these things where it supersedes my ex- expectations. And this, I go into it just... And I think, okay, everybody loves this as this giant kind of, uh, you know, movie that did Dune correct. So then I, it, 
I, I'm looking for more holes in it, I guess. Um, but totally. But yeah, I this is a movie I I I like when I'm watching it, but I don't know. It just feels too serious, maybe too maybe kind of soulless in comparison to David Lynch's. Uh, um, is everything's beautiful, but there's not like as much kind of interesting things going on that I like to kind of like grab onto. Um, like there are in David Lynch's, like, you know, he has like crazy weird creatures and he kind of goes away from the book some, even though Frank Herbert worked with him on that movie. Well, this one just kind of follows the book, uh, pretty faithfully and doesn't really kind of establish anything outside of that, I guess. Yeah. Is that a bad thing to you? Uh, it just, it just felt, like I said, soulless. And like, I know that these people, it, it probably wasn't soulless to the people involved and they were probably really into it, but it just kind of felt like, I don't know. It just didn't, it wasn't engaging to me. Um, I, I, I liked it. It was beautiful to look at and it was, it was, it was, it was <laughs> a fine watch, good. but it just did not grab me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. It makes sense. Um, what are your thoughts? You loved it. Yeah, I think this movie's amazing. Yeah. Um, I I think I yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like as far as like quality, I don't really think you can compare this movie with David Lynch's cuz you get totally different things out of them. Mm-hmm. Like that movie is quirky and like unique in beautiful different ways and like uh just kind of fucking like weird and uh, i don't know it's it's i watch that and feel like those things this movie i feel like i mean this movie makes me feel a lot more than that movie did that movie didn't make me feel very much but it made me like laugh and like i thought it was really interesting this movie i feel like i'm pulled into like like the people's emotions with like the amount of time I have to spend with them and like the, with the pace and like the way, I don't know. I think the acting's really good and the music is fucking sick. And every time I watch it, I'm just like amazed at how much more meaning there is in every line than I realized the time before. And I feel like that's one thing he does really well and that he rocks in this is that like, for me at least again, I'm obviously just talking about for me, but like, each scene doesn't have very much dialogue. Same with David Lynch's, but very different. Uh, doesn't have very much dialogue. Yeah, David Lynch just and... has narration telling you everything that's going on. I know. <laughs> and in this one, like, I don't know, especially when I got really high and watched it, like the third time, I think. I'm just, every line, they just did so much with every line. I don't know how to put it, but like, I'm just picking up different connections and things every time. And it's like, for me, it's like reading uh, an intricate novel with a pen where like I'm just excited to be finding stuff and I'm excited on like how I feel the whole time that being said I don't think any character like really grabs me or I care that much about any character which is it's hard to imagine a Dune movie that's not like a show where that's not true because there's so many characters Mm -hmm. and the only person you spend that much time with is like Paul who like even in the book, I don't know. I don't love Paul. Like you're with him, but yeah. So nobody jumps out at me in any way that grabs me. And I think that's a big like flaw with it. But other than that, I mean, it's beautiful. It has some of my favorite music of any movie. The uh, Zimmerman. And it, 
and it doesn't who is it Hans Zimmer oh is that who did it yeah oh that wait oh nice yeah what else has he done he's done like every movie John Williams didn't do <laughs> that makes sense. They're pretty much the only two people that make music. No, he's done like probably like a couple hundred movies. He's done. Damn, that's crazy. He's one of the most prolific um, uh, film music dudes. Well, as you can tell, I know a lot about film music, <laughs> and uh, so you should take this seriously when I say it's really good in this. Um, and what was the last thing I was going to say? Uh, I think, I don't know, I think it's a good setup. I'm really excited for, for what's coming next. Oh, the last thing I was going to say is that, like, every time I watch this, I'm blown away that it's two and a half hours. Like, I don't, I just feel like I'm in it, and I, it just kind of blows me away. There's not a single part where I'm, like, bored. Maybe that's because there's not people talking very much. Every single dialogue is, like, three or five lines. But it just, that kind of blows me away, because you'd think on paper all mm -hmm. the things about it would make it feel very long. See, I'm different. This movie, it didn't really make me feel much, um, which is one of the big reasons why I feel like it's kind of like empty and soulless is it wasn't really grabbing me emotionally. Um, and then also I do feel each time I watch it, it feels like it's two and a half hours. Uh, yesterday when I watched it, I had to take a nap halfway through cause I was just could not keep my eyes open. Um, for sure. Uh, that's pretty common for you, I gotta say, but it's fair to think. <laughs> that's true. I, I'm a very sleepy boy. I probably have some something wrong with me medically, because I'm always very tired. Uh, for sure. Um, you also don't sleep the hours I think most humans do. So No, I, I'm pretty self-destructive in general. <laughs> for sure. Uh, also, Aren't we all, though? Um, I've probably only ever seen my mom make it awake through, like, probably 10 movies in my entire life. It's it's always a, sure. an amazing thing whenever we watch a movie together and she stays awake. So it might just run in the family, which sucks because totally. movies are like my favorite thing. So got to get back on the meth, dude. I know. Mm. You have to get back on the methamphetamine. I, um, I have done meth a couple times. I, I, I'm not a fan. It's not a good one. Not a fan. It's not a good one. You won't even know you watched a movie, though. You'll just be like, the credits again? How does this keep happening and start it over? I feel like the the, the one or two times I did meth, I watched a lot of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Normal. <laughs> um, um, okay, costumes. What do you think of the costumes? Uh, I thought most of them were just kind of fine, but then some were really fucking cool. Like, um, when the... What was that called? The... Not not the math the master of the change. Uh yeah. Right? I don't know if it was master of the change, something of the change. Um but yeah, when they're doing that ceremony, are you talking about like all the like white outfits, right? Um, when when they're like when they meet Duke Atreides and they're like, We want you to yeah, you're yeah. going to Arrakis, here's the message, and there's the dudes with like I don't remember if they're white, but like the huge crazy helmet things. I uh, you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. I think it was kind or of like whitish like pods over there I yeah think so. i think we're i mean the guy's the in thing. white the main guy but i just thought those were fucking sick um they were thinking about the same thing all the costumes in that scene were awesome yeah what'd you say i said we're thinking about the same thing which i think we are i agree those were really cool those were the ones when you're asking about the costumes those were the first things that came to my mind but i didn't know nice. how to really uh specify what i was talking about um totally 
another thing, I don't think these costumes in particular were great, but the Sardaukar, just in in general, like uh, in comparing them to Dune's Sardaukar, they kind of looked a lot more like... David Lynch's Dune? Yeah. <laughs> but I say Dune Sardaukar. <laughs> uh, David Lynch's Dune's Sardaukars. Uh, they they look more fitting of like elite soldiers. Um than, Definitely. than his uh, soldiers. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, there, were, I think we can. I don't even think that like, there's a lot of things that were very different in David Lynch's movie because he had a different vision, mm-hmm. and I don't think that the battle stuff was. I think he just kind of <laughs> did through it. Like, yeah, for whatever reason, pressure or him not being an action guy or whatever. The action in this yeah. and the, the costumes and all of it around there, I think, is like, at least feels kind of like what it would be like. <laughs> yes, but there's one reason why David Lynch's battle scenes are better. Yeah, the dog. Yeah, battle pug, war pug. <laughs> Hell yeah, war pug. Uh, I can't believe that Patrick Stewart killed war pug. <sighs> <laughs> Bastard. I'll never forgive him. It's just not okay. No. Um. Uh. Do, 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 do. Did you have? I don't. I don't really have a favorite shot because I honestly think that the cinematography in this movie, like maybe it's not super unique, um, but it's just fucking stunning. Like they did a really good job. Yeah. And I, I have no idea what which one which shot to pick. Did you have a favorite shot? Um. Yeah, I had a couple that stood out. So one that's probably more expected is uh. When um, Jessica and Paul are running from that giant worm, and then uh, uh, it like rears its head, and they stare back at it, um, and they look back at it. There's two shots there. There's one shot where it's like a whole wide shot of the desert, and then you see it looming over them as they're looking up at yeah. it. That's a fucking awesome shot. And then there's another shot, like right after, where the whole screen is taken up by the worm's maul, and it has the big pitch black center and Paul's head in the foreground is like right over that, uh, the pitch black oh. center. And it's just a uh, very cool visually. Um, and then oh, yeah. another one that stood out to me was, uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, maybe my favorite scene, uh, when, uh, the Duke is, uh, incapacitated and he's at the, the Baron's table and the scene opens up with, uh, just a big uh, wide shot of the whole room and you see this huge table and one end is the bear and just uh, eaten away. And the other end is um, the Duke just like naked and kind of sprawled out on the seat. And it's just uh, that whole scene, I think is just very, uh, to me, that was kind of like visually the most interesting, the most kind of unique in my mind of the whole movie. Um, uh, that whole scene was like cut to these close-up shots of, um, the Duke naked and it'd be like the shower would be like upside down him just kind of sprawled out and just, it would be lit. And it, that's the one I was picturing. Yeah. When you first brought yeah. up the scene. Yeah. It, it's like all lit beautifully. Um, it kind of looks like a religious, like fresco, like, uh, of like yeah. Christ, like being, uh, um, about to be tortured or whatever. Um, it, yeah, it, totally. Grapefruit soda. Yes. Grapefruit. Fresca. Oh, <laughs> Is fr- wait, fresh? You got it right. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, I want to ask you one thing. Um, it relates more to the costumes. Uh, what do you think about the Baron's uh, flying suit in this? Especially in comparison to uh, David Lynch's suit, because it's completely different um, how they do it. Like, I... Sorry, it makes me think of, of broader stuff, but, like, yeah. I think they could have, in general, gone a little farther with... And we'll, we'll go into this later, but it connects... Uh, with, like, his hedonistic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think if they'd done that, I would have liked the device perfectly because you'd kind of get that it was because he was, you know, like, he doesn't want to walk around, he doesn't want to do anything but, mm -hmm. like, you know, consume. Um but, like, as a function of itself, I thought it was great. I loved the way, like, I don't know, the, something about the technology with the lights going down and the sounds really felt, like, kind of real and it felt like it was a part of him. And it just also felt more like what I pictured in the book of it, like, kind of slowly, lumberingly moving him. Um, uh -huh. But, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, that Nice. Yeah, I, I, I that's you put it perfectly sorry I should have <laughs> no no took it all. you put it perfectly I, I agree yeah it was cool something about the sound effects with that there mm. there's some really good foley and sound effects in this yeah movie where i really feel like i'm in the desert or i'm in that room and like yeah him like just this it just little subtle clicks mm. make such a difference i also thought it's kind of visually neat how like you don't even see the flying contraption at all, do you? Because he has this long-ass cloak that just kind of completely dwarfs it. Um, mm. Right? I guess if this part on his spine isn't what it all looks like, then no, I guess not. I th I thought you did. Maybe you do a little bit. But, like, if you're, like, looking at head-on, you don't see it, do you? Like, you only no, see... No, not head-on. Yeah. Um, From behind you do, yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of looks... It's like, if you didn't know about it, you might think for a second, like, oh, my God, that guy has 30 feet long yeah. legs. <laughs> but, uh, totally. It, it kind of, like, looks it, – it's very visually cool to see that long kind of draping cloak. Definitely. Um, I had one more thing I wanted to bring up that I, I think I've mentioned before probably six times. But, like, I don't know. Just, again, what he does with so little. I love the scene where uh, – Lady Jessica, it's right after Duncan Idaho is killed, and Paul and Lady Jessica are trying to fly away in the thopter, and it's, like, a super basic, it's nothing, like, deep, but, like, they're trying to fly away, and there's all this tension that the people are going to come, and they're not going to get away in time, and I feel like most big Hollywood movies would do, like, you see the guys running in footsteps, it cuts to that, and it cuts to them, like, oh, we gotta get the key in, we gotta, blah, 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 flying back and forth, and all, they never even showed the people coming, it was just the music shots of a doorway that's totally empty and the actors making you like for me my tension like i get really tense and like stressed even though i know they're gonna make it every time but it's just done with so much less and it works even more um i don't know i love that um yeah i did not i don't think i registered that in my head when i was watching it so um i'll make sure to watch out for that the next time i see this how many times have you watched this by the way i don't think we uh three and a half okay i was thinking it was four i watched some of it today but not enough to count it yeah. so uh three and a half and some more <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i watched it three times the first time i saw it in theaters and then twice for this episode nice yeah i think i just did it when it came out 
uh, like two days later, then a couple weeks ago, actually right after we recorded our episode, I got so fucking stoked on it. I <laughs> got stoned and watched that, but I fell asleep. So that's why it's half. Mm. And then I watched it again with my mom. And then I watched some today. What'd your mom think of it? My mom thought it was awesome. She loved it, but she said she probably wouldn't like beforehand. She was like, I've heard it's kind of hard to follow if you haven't read the book. And so she asked me to like, give her a basic mm. understanding of the world, like anything I thought she should know, and then just talk to her about stuff as it was going. And so we were talking a lot during it. And uh, yeah, she would, she really liked it, but said, I would not have picked up on a lot of that stuff and I would have been bored. Um, she also, when it ended, went, that's it? That was two and a half hours? Um, which I was kind of surprised by because I paused it like so many times uh, while she was asking questions. But yeah, she thought it was great. Awesome. But also I was like stoned and going like tripping out on yeah. stuff about Dune. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um as a well, that's kind of what I was gonna ask is like when I saw this movie, I was so first of all, because it ends halfway through, and second of all, because it's fucking Dune, and even though it's two and a half hours, they don't cram it with that much stuff, in my opinion. I was kind of like, what are people who haven't read this or seen any other movies going to think of this? <laughs> like, that was one of my first thoughts, especially. So I guess I'm kind of curious what you think about how it works as a self-contained movie stopping halfway through and what how you think it works for people who don't know anything about it. Like, whatever that makes you think of. I don't feel like it works that well as a self-contained movie. I don't know. There's For just sure. nothing at the end that really felt like a climax, I guess. Like, yes. Usually when you get into, like, you know, a planned uh, series, whether it be two or more movies, like, they try to make each one a self-contained thing, and, like, this movie just did not feel self-contained. It just felt super open. Like, like yeah, yeah. the there has to be another one. Like, otherwise this movie just does not work in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I agree on like, especially when I first watched it, I really felt like I was worried it wasn't going to do well because it only was so mm -hmm. great to me because I knew it was starting something. Yeah. But when I, something, when I watched it again was like, I started thinking actually maybe without knowing so much, it, maybe it works. Cause I agree. It doesn't fully, there isn't like the right arc of a movie. Yeah. You know, there's something missing and like, but also if I had watched it without knowing about Dune, I think I might have a little more attachment of just like, Oh, this is the whole thing. This is a son and his father is trying to have him take over for him. And then they lost everything. And when he has a chance to go back, he decides to join the Fremen. That might, if I didn't know the whole thing, actually might work better if I hadn't seen it. Because it's like this twist at the end where he's like, no, like, I'm not Lady Jessica, we're staying here. Um, um, yeah, except for at the very end, in my opinion, one of the stupidest things in film history, when Channy turns to the, the, to the camera and she says, this is just the beginning or whatever. Yeah, but you're thinking of that in a meta-analysis. When I first I saw it, and I do now, that could be anything you'd have in a single movie. I mean, I, I totally agree because we know that it's a vehicle. It's so cheesy. Yeah. And it's just like, come on. Um, but I don't know that that would make that not work. 
the other thing. But I agree, for me, it doesn't feel like a complete movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of, uh, like, not having familiarity with the world um, and the terms and stuff like that, because I was really just addressing uh, whether or not it stands alone. But, yeah, if you're going into this not knowing anything about Dune, um, that... In and of itself, I think there's enough here to grab onto that uh, okay. that will be satisfying for people. There are lots of things that I feel like people might be confused about, but I th- think there's enough, and like uh, the right people will, I think, would get like intrigued enough to kind of like be like, "Oh shit, I want to learn more about this." Um, the right um, people, huh? I just mean, uh, <laughs> I just mean. I don't think a general audience is like, oh, man, I need to go read the book so I can learn more about yeah. this. But I do think there would be like a, a, a sizable contingent of kind of nerdier people that would be like, oh, man, I want to – this Dune world seems pretty cool. I want to learn more about this shit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there was enough here for people generally to be able to grab on and get everything that was going on. Um, and without doing a complete uh, uh, exposition dumps like uh, the 1984 version where they're just like – this is what's happening. Yeah. This is what's happening. This is what's totally. happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's interesting because like I, I don't know. When I first watched it, I was way harsher on it, and I was like, "How do you end there? Like that mm-hmm. doesn't, whatever." But now I kind of like I like the movie way more than I did when I first watched it, even though I'd liked it, but I was like feeling a little weird. And I definitely feel like it's like, yeah, with a metal song, I want a beginning. I want it. I want it to raise. I want it to fucking mm-hmm. like go a certain place. Well, with a lot of them, I guess not a lot, but I guess I'll say, but with certain black metal songs, <laughs> I just want to sit in it yeah. and it can just be what it is. For sure. And I definitely, the example I was going to use was uh, ambient music. I feel like this works for me on an ambient music level, not on a pop music or like a rock level where yeah but brian eno about it where i like brian eno was on the soundtrack of the 1984 i know know. (laughs) um something where it's like yeah when i first watched it it worried me and now it doesn't matter to me that much because maybe it's just because i know there's more coming but because it it just like i don't know it just feels good i'm not looking for the same thing but Mm. it, it that being said it as much as he does say that stuff at the end it doesn't feel like an arc for Paul. Yeah. You know, he's not given enough of a character for it to feel like an arc. Yeah, I agree. And like he goes against what he do- he kind of betrays House Har- uh, House Atreides and like joins the Fremen or like goes strays from the path. But you never really knew what he wanted or was going to do anyway. <laughs> um, Probably my biggest complaint about the movie is uh, Paul. Um, for sure yeah uh i just he's he in this movie he's just such a complete mopey fucking shithead (laughs) i I don't know like um like i'm not like the biggest fan of paul in the book either but like timothy chalamet's uh portrayal of him which um you know might be more on the director it it, his character in this just seems very just like a mopey sad bastard and like i was not engaged with him at all or the journey that he was going on and i sure i was really not picking up on a lot of his character i guess um i i don't i I very much just disliked him in this uh and this was the first thing i've ever seen timothy chalamet in 
Um, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Damn. I'm pretty sure. And then after this, I saw the French Dispatch, which I feel like he was pretty good in that. So I don't think he's, it's my... He's really good, I think. Okay. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, and he's. I think he's a really good actor. Um, I think he was... I mean, you could say he was playing a mopey, shitty little 15-year-old well, but yeah, I don't but know. Either I was way, he's mo- not normally like... I was a mopey little 15-year-old shithead, but I, like, I also loved humor. <laughs> I also had a... Sure. Th- th- there's more sides to it than just the mopey, and you like only get the mopey There might have been a different context you were living in. I'm not sure, but no, I hear you. He, like, I don't think I mean, you know think a lot about we... my life. <laughs> sure. Before you met me. <laughs> That's there are true. a lot of worms, trust me. I forgot you were space royalty. <laughs> um, so you, I think you you didn't act exactly like Paul when you were told you had to move Caladan, St. Louis, and move to Arrakis, uh, <laughs> fucking Los Angeles, the desert, uh, when you were like 15. <laughs> okay, no, I was really shitty about that. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I was actually very upset about that. Um, uh, I would be too. And, and, yeah. A mopey shithead about that. But like... I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> I'm not trying to actually justify it. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, there was... That's like the only... There's more to a, a mopey 15-year-old than just the mopiness. <laughs> and the, but we're only given the mopiness in this. It's funny because I don't... I never thought of him as mopey except in that... The like the very beginning, I guess he's mopey where he doesn't want to do shit, but he doesn't seem to me like he's a mopey guy. It's like why would I want to? I mean, like maybe mo- my mom's ordering me around. This other person's ordering around. Like, uh, maybe fuck just off. not. I, maybe he's not always mopey, but like there's always just like a super seriousness to him. Well, I liked Kyle MacLachlan where like if he'd sure. give like a grin like here and there, and like he would have like a sense of humor. Like I don't get that at all from this Paul. Um, totally. Yeah, there's one scene shot that really stands out of him, and it's a vision with him and Chani, and he has, like, it's like the future or something, or, you Mm -hmm. don't know, a vision of him and Chani with uh, still suits on, and he has, like, this big grin on his face, and it really stands out, because, like, that never happens otherwise, (laughs) and that's all it takes for it to be like, whoa, and maybe it is trying to say something with that, but that doesn't make it, like, work, you know, necessarily. All right, so we talked about Paul. What about other people in House of Trades? Their portrayals. Um, I thought uh, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho was really great. Um, nice. Yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, uh, you really get that sense of uh, he's kind of like this this uh, friendly figure to Paul while the other characters kind of more uh you know um screaming and throwing knives at him <laughs> more parental <laughs> um you get the the idea that Duncan Idaho is like the cool uncle um yeah and I was I, about to say I uncle think he's yeah. he's perfect as that uh um, definitely I don't even remember he, who he brings like a some of the I guess humor but more just like the 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 heart to the mm-hmm. to the scenes he's in. Yeah, I'm not that familiar. I mean, I'm not really that familiar with a lot of these actors. Like I said, it's the first movie I saw Timothy Chalamet in. Uh, um, so I'm not that familiar with him. He was he was in uh, Game of Thrones, right? 
Yeah, I think that's the only thing I've seen him in, maybe. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. But yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Um, and he's he's an actor that... I mean, I generally don't go into following movies for actors, but he's one I, I, I hope to see in other things. Because um, I, I like him. I think he's a very good actor, and he's very charismatic, just naturally. And I, I was not, like, expecting anything from him. Mm-hmm. And he did great. Yeah. Um. Who else we got? I, I thought Josh Brolin was really good as Gurney. Um, I can't think of Gurney's last name, but Gurney. Haddock? Yeah. Yeah. Haddock. Gurney. Something like that? Close. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought he was really good. Uh, um, uh, did he have a scar on his face? I don't remember. Hey, so in the book. Gurney, like, he has history with the Harkonnens, and I believe one of the nephews, like, he was in a fight with them, and, like, they, he has a scar on his face from that. Um, but you, in the, I think it was the first scene we have, the scene where he duels with Paul in the beginning, um, when he's training Paul, uh, he talks about, he gets really passion, passionate, he talks about how Harkonnens are brutal, he says, and, uh, yeah. You just really get that sense that he has like that history with the Harkonnens and he has totally. he has a deep seated hatred of them outside of just being like told that, like, oh, these are really bad and evil people that he has a personal history of them. Um I definitely thought, I thought he portrayed that through his acting really well. Absolutely, yeah, because they don't really tell you any of that, but he but Yeah. He handles it. Definitely. Um, what do you think of the Duke, Oscar Isaac? I thought he was good. What's his I, name? Duke Leto? Uh, Leto, I think it's pronounced. Okay. Um, I don't know why. I just could not remember his first name for the life of me <laughs> until just this moment, like all week. Yeah, it's Leto. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he was fine. I didn't think it was anything yeah. special, but I did it perfectly well. Same. Man, that guy, Oscar Isaac gets killed in like every fucking movie he's in seeing a star wars like, he is but he literally he got the script and his character's supposed to die and he said i'm not gonna be in star wars if i die i die in every movie i'm in <laughs> so i'm out and they rewrote it and he's in all three because he literally dies so much that's a fucking alpha move right there <laughs> yeah um, for sure uh as compared to all those beta moves where he's like i guess i'll take the guy that dies <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this blockbuster that'll set yeah. me for life yeah it is as fuck um the only thing uh i can remember seeing him in is inside lewin davis um which i believe he was pretty good in but okay yeah have you not seen ex machina no i'm pretty sure you've at, talked asked me about that multiple times before and i'm because you really like that right i love that movie and yeah. he was really good in that movie that's actually, I was thinking of um, Arrival. That's the other movie by Villeneuve, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kept thinking like, oh, doesn't doesn't Rabbit love that movie? But I think I was confused uh, that with Ex Machina. Arrival is good, but I've only <laughs> seen it once. I've seen Ex Machina. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Ex Machina, be, like you've told me like multiple times. Like, yeah. oh, I, I fucking love that movie. You have to see that. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, if I build it up that much, it's a fine movie. It's a good movie. It's not, you know. <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, he was. I thought he did a, a a good job. I actually really like the scene with him and Paul uh, with all the tombs. Um, there's nothing like exceptional about it, but just the delivery. It feels very. You can feel a lot about their father son relationship. I can't tell whether this is them like opening up to each other is something that happens often, but either way, mm-hmm. the like you can you can take your own path kind of thing or you can come to it felt very genuine. It was acted really well. And I actually just in a broader sense, really love that scene is a good example to me of things I like about this movie. Like they don't say much about their family's attachment to Caladan, but they accomplish all of that by having them walk through this long, uh, row of big ornate tombs and talk about their great grandfather and then your or their grandfather his grandfather and then you're just like oh shit okay they they're about to leave this planet they've been on for a long time just with like a few visual things and those actors doing a great job. Um, just in relation to that, uh, I thought it was cool because you brought up their grandfather. Um, I thought I, I really liked how even his death scene. There's like a bowl on the on the uh, ceiling above him or on the, the wall above him. Was it okay. there? I think there's a I know there's a, there's a matador statue that keeps coming up that's really cool looking. There's a bull's but head. I, I believe in the oh, death nice. scene, the bull's head is in the room where he's killed. Um, Good eye. I mean, I think it Do cuts you... to the shot of the bull head. So it's, it's not sure. really good eye. It's just... Oh, I see. Well, I mean, good eye, not like yeah. <laughs> seeing it tiny in the background, but connecting it yeah, to the yeah. bull thing. Um, um, but yeah, the bull's head comes comes up like a few bulls come up a few times through the movie. That it's not really a uh, attention isn't really drawn to it, but uh, it's just kind of like in the background. It'll... Is is that from the book? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. In the okay. book, um, there's a scene early on in the beginning where. Uh, servant is moving like the bull's head from Kaladin from their place in Kaladin and she's like be careful with that that's the bull that killed their duke's father or something like that yeah so obviously the bullfighter thing well maybe not obviously but at first it felt like it was trying to just show that maybe things have kind of moved fast you can't picture anyone here fighting a fucking bull <laughs> um which technologically doesn't really make sense for my understanding of dune but it just kind of separates them like this is a new era they're dealing with but but do, i don't know what is the bullfighter thing why do you think he's a bullfighter um well i what i read into whenever they show the bull is just a ominous kind of like um it's the the death it's uh supposed to portray death is coming an end is coming um mm. that's I, I meant more why did they because yeah the repeated use of it through the scenes i could see that but why do you think they picked a bullfighter for his grandpa in the book um because on the face of it you're like these people are heroic but then you realize that they're actually some pretty fashy shitheads just like bullfighters look pretty or on the face where they seem cool as hell fucking fighting a bull then you're like oh wait there's just these fucking assholes abusing this animal torturing yeah that's a really good point i had not thought of that at all um the only other thing that i could that i thought of is 
sorry, I'm pausing because I just want to go back to your point because it's so much better. But is that a matador uses like stands in one place and waves the thing so the bull charges him and jumps out of the way at the last second? That's kind of what you do with the worm. Mm. Um, you get to the side and hook its side. That sounds uh, actually more accurate than what I just said. In my opinion. Well, I think it's all it's yeah, all it's true. All it's not like there's whatever. one thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that does feel feel like a thing. But um, just back onto what you were saying of like Atreides, the whole house, like you know, feeling good at first, and then there's darkness, fascist stuff underneath. I do think that this movie, for me, did a better job of like, yeah, you kind of like Duke Leto. Actually, I can't remember how the other movie did it, but did a good job of you like him and you actually like there's nuance where you're like oh he's doing the right thing oh but then he's kind of just doing it because he wants the fremen as resources and i think that comes across see i i felt like when i actually first saw it i that was like one of my biggest complaints coming away from me is that i didn't feel like that um uh i think one of the biggest things is in the book, when he's first talking about the Fremen, like, I, mean, I probably brought this up in the last episode. He specifically says, yeah. like, we're going to exploit them. He specifically uses the word yeah. exploit. Sure. And in this one, he's talking about the Fremen. And he's like, we're going to uh, – they're desert power, desert power, so we need to ally with them. Uh, it, it doesn't feel as much – Because their power. Yeah, I know. but To exploit their power. It doesn't feel as much like – like, there's a part sure. of him in the book that acknowledges, like, that – we're exploiting them. While I don't feel like this character really felt like he was exploiting them, I felt like he. I think you're right about that. He felt like he was trying to be more of like an ally to them, I guess, and they would they had common goals, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, in the same way, the example I gave last time, like maybe it doesn't line up exactly with the book, um, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. I guess what I because I think you're right that he doesn't. It's not as explicit to him. I I think it feels more real to me that he's tricking himself lying to himself and i think that the scene with stilgar coming in is one of the best scenes in the movie and like to me that scene it goes by quick so you could maybe like maybe they could have done more but it does feel like he's like you tell me what i'm gonna do what like what what you need and i will do it and he's looking him in the eye and you like believe him but Mm -hmm. then as soon as the guy's like yeah get out of here he's like i'm not gonna do that (laughs) and it's very it just felt very real of like i'm being the good guy Mm. and i'm going to say i'll do whatever you want very much but i'm not gonna fucking do that very much a politician (laughs) totally and Um, i think that they maybe not as good as the book but more than the last movie felt to me it felt like that was like a thing they were trying to show us of like, oh man, I look in this guy's eyes and I believe him. And then he's mm-hmm. like, well, everything but, you know, actually what you need, which is to leave you the fuck alone. Yeah, I feel like, I think I brought this up in the last episode. I haven't listened to it, so I don't know. But um, I think that movie is more just kind of like subtle kind of uh, things in the background. Like like uh, we talked about how their their outfits seem a little bit more fashier. Um, and yeah. also like that scene where Kyle McLaughlin is talking to the Fremen and like it very much evokes, uh, um, invokes, uh, triumph of the will. Like, uh, yeah. uh, while, uh, they're from what we hear specific and portray specifically, we don't see as much that there's the recognition of them exploiting the Fremen. I think, I think you're right that this movie deals with that a little bit better, but I still, sure. I still did not get the feeling that, um, 
it was explicit enough, I guess, to the audience. Um, Interesting. Okay. Uh, but you're the audience. <laughs> but I've read the book. Or <laughs> I know for sure. Yeah, I I guess it'd been so long since I read the book, and it was before we did the research that I feel like I figured that out about Leto in my first watching of this okay. movie. Maybe you're right. Um, but also I'm always on the lookout for fucking yeah. sneaky, shitty Democrats. So who knows yeah. to the average person or whatever. But also, I don't care what the average person wants. Yeah. I'm talking about what I think of the movie. But anyway. I, I mean, I just I just remember when I was listening to the audiobook, when, like, like when I said he talks about exploiting the Fremen the first time, like, I, like, rewound us. It's like, oh, shit. He just, like, yeah. specifically say just, like, the thing you're not supposed to say out loud. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's not like the book in that way, for sure. Yeah. What about... Do, 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 do. I don't know. Anybody else? I was going to ask about Lady Jessica, but we can save that um, for Benjamin. Jesser, was there anybody else who's explicitly a Atreides that... Uh, Dr. Yui, um, I did like that he was Asian in this because I don't think the book specifically says he's Asian, but I, I, I just felt when I was reading, like, oh, he's he's Asian, I guess, just from the name. Yui, so like seeing an Asian actor like that just felt right to me, as opposed to <laughs> Dean Stockwell in the in the last movie. Um, I think it also added. I hadn't thought of this, but added a little bit more to the fact that like his wife was being held because this does feel like a very white supremacist Harkonnen. Yeah, that's that's good thing. Point. Yeah. Um. So like, it makes it feel shittier, and it kind of makes it so you can make up a story in your head of what happened that's not just kind of random. That's more insidious. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I mean, it, I feel like they could have done a little bit more. The character just feels like he's not there that much. Um. Totally. And then all of a sudden, like he's the traitor that kind of uh, changes the the house's fortunes and it's just like he wasn't really there that much before and they don't also... enough of a character for it to be somebody you'd guess or yeah like, yeah and they also didn't explain I... the conditioning um not I, at like, all yeah I was, I was like they didn't explain it at all yeah it, right he's supposed to be and he's not be able supposed to be able to betray but then they were able to betray and that's like a huge thing in the book uh but yeah totally they they really seem to just gloss over his character and then his character has a major role so it's kind of a little bit weird. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, should we talk about Lady Jessica? Kind of a bridge between the Atreides yeah. and Benny Jessica. Lady Jessica. Um, I she, thought this actor did an awesome job. Yeah, I think she did really good. Uh, she, um, it was funny when she's embarrassed to see her son uh, undress. Uh, it's it made me think of. Have you seen the French Dispatch? Yeah. Um, well, early in the movie, Duncan Idaho is like, "Oh, you got some muscles," and then he's like, "Oh, just joking. I don't actually have muscles." And then he's taking off his shirt, and then in the French, and then she's like embarrassed to look at him. In the French Dispatch, he's like taking a bath, and then uh, he's like, "Don't look at me. I'm embarrassed by my by by, by my muscles." <laughs> <laughs> by my new muscles or something like that <laughs> for them both coming out the same year with the same actor yeah and like i said those are the only two movies i've seen them in so that kind of really connected totally. the two to me um, man not that you should has watch lady bird it. what you should watch lady bird where he's like a really insufferable 
uh, high school rich kid anarchist. <laughs> um, it's it's a trip. You'll hate him. Interesting. <laughs> um. Okay, so she's embarrassed to see him naked, but what else but Lady Jessica? <laughs> um, there, there still wasn't as much to her as I wish there was. No. Way uh, more than in the last movie. One but. thing that I thought was interesting, one of my favorite scenes in the book, both of these movies cut it out, and maybe they felt it was kind of like hard to film to extent. It, in the book, there's this big scene... It's this huge dinner that uh, the Duke is throwing um, when he first goes into the palace. And he's, like, introduced to, like, all these um, power brokers, I guess, uh, from uh, Arrakis. And, like, she really kind of, like, navigates the scene by, like, pointing out, like, different details to him Mm. about different people. And, like, um, she kind of, like picks up on things uh, that she's able to because of her Bene Gesserit skills. And, like, you really see how much of, uh, how important she is to um, the the Atreides um, family. Like, she plays, like, a huge role in just, like, knowing all this political stuff and being able to read people politically that I think really does a lot to help define her character. And it's it's a really, really great scene, and it just... It's crazy that both these movies uh, cut that scene yeah. out. Uh, totally. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to her. Like you, I mean, it's just like everybody, every character. We're just like, why they make a yeah. uh, <laughs> giant movie so short? But like, still, like the you don't really see, you don't know much about her connection. Like, there's the line, one of the to me, one of the stupidest things is when. He's like, I should have married you. And it's like, really? You're not going to give us anything before that so that we know what the fuck you're talking about? Like, I know, but I'm just like, what? Like, yeah. Yeah, it plays back into, like, how much would you get if you haven't read the book? Like, yeah, you you would... Like, that's a huge part of the book is that uh, they're not married because for political reasons and, like, she has misgivings about that, but then later she insists that Paul doesn't marry Chani because of exactly. political reasons. And it's like this really important dynamic to the book that they just, well, not going to have that. <laughs> I'm well, I'm kind of assuming because the next movie is actually, I think slightly less and it feels like less happens to me. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. this is the bulk, but I don't know. Maybe you know better than I, but I kind of have a feeling that in their discussions, she'll bring that stuff up, which is why they threw it in this movie really quick. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, maybe they were just saving it for that. But you needed a little more if you're gonna say it. Like, yeah, what yeah. Need, like one more sentence, <laughs> like earlier on or something. Um, yeah. So that that was a little disappointing. She did come across to me, kind of like she like she was strong. It was very clear she was training Paul. Maybe not to the extent that would have been better. But mm-hmm. I thought that was good. The like teaching him to use the voice early on. Um, I liked that stuff, but yeah, I mean, I just always wish there was more. Um, I thought she was good when, uh, Paul's in there with the ganja bar to his neck with his hand in the box and she's out there kind of like, uh, suffering, like horrified that her son might be in there dying, but she has like this, and she's also trying to keep quiet and she has this kind of like, it's a very unique, it's a very unique kind of grieving, uh, uh, portrayal um, 
where cause yeah. she's trying to be silent at the same time, but she's also she's like, my son might be dying, and it's not like outright bawling. It's just kind of like these. Well, and she's saying the litany of death. What? She's saying the litany of death the whole time. Um, oh, was she? Yeah, she's whispering like death is the whatever. Oh, yeah, she's yeah, whispering yeah, that right. whole thing. Hey y'all, uh, just want to interject. I don't know why, but through this entire episode, I refer to the litany against fear as the litany of death. I don't know why, but every time I say litany of death, what I mean is the litany against fear. Don't know why I got that mixed up. Don't know why Charlie never noticed, but that's what it is. Um, we didn't really explain that, so that's just what it's called, the the saying that in this movie, Lady Jessica says the, uh, I must not fear, fear is the mind killer, fear is the little death that brings total obliteration, etc. In the book, it's like a saying that people use to not be afraid in times of fear that probably came from the Bene Gesserit, but anyway, it's not litany of death, litany against fear. All right, uh, back to the episode. Which I'm glad she does later, but in the book... Is that where we hear the litany of death? I don't think so. I don't remember. I just think of that as being so, like, stoically said and such a strong thing. And it makes sense that she would then use it in this moment of weakness. and mm. Or, like, not weakness, but, like, this moment of fucking pain mm. and fear and be trying to get the fear out. Because that's the whole point. But that's such a great speech or written thing. And it mm. does feel like you can't hear it. And it's like, she does do it later, which is good. But I just, I kind of picture it coming out of like a voice that in the moment is more in control. Um, But she only uses it in the thopter when she's freaking out in here. I feel like in the book, this whole scene is like focused on Paul and his interaction with that Reverend Mother. Um, And it like doesn't cut to what she's feeling, but maybe I'm wrong. I think you're probably right. I mean, from like an economy, this movie in the writing of it, they had to try to be yeah. as economical as possible. Yes. And it does make sense. I'm get, I'm realizing like, it, yeah, it's good to have all the emotions that you're talking about and see those. So why not throw that thing they want to throw in the movie there? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't totally work for me. Um, Well, should we just move on to the Reverend Mother and the God yeah. of scene? Reverend Mother. Would, Charlotte Rampling. She was great. Yeah, I thought she was really good. Um, her costume was fucking sick, too. Her I costume thought. is... Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. Uh, I'm... Yeah, I thought she was awesome. I, uh, I'm i excited to see more of her in the next movie because, yeah, I thought she was good and I really would have liked to see more of her, but she's not given that big of a role in the first half of the book, so... We yeah. get very little for. Um, are you familiar with this actress at all? I don't know. She looked familiar. What? So she was like a classic. She she first got her start in like French artsy movies from like the sixties. Um, uh, I actually have not seen many things with her in it when I should have because like those are the type of movies that I'm pretty familiar with, but I've just. Haven't seen a lot in her, but uh, I really think we should cover Max Mon Amour as one of our King Kong episodes. 
It's directed by Nagisa Oshima, who's one of the great Japanese directors. It's written by Carrier, Carrier, who's one of the great French screenwriters. And it's about Charlotte Rampion has an affair with a chimpanzee. So I really think we need to cover that. <laughs> what do you mean as one of our King Kong episodes? What does that mean? Because it's, it's monkey enough to, to fit in with the... Uh... <laughs> King Kong. But I don't. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> it's, As it's, one of our, <laughs> because it's. I think we can finagle it enough to fit in and be like, oh, this is enough, like King Kong, where she falls in love with the with the. Yeah, to make it one of our <laughs> podcast episodes. But what do you mean to make I just it one mean, of like, our in King the lineage of King Kong? Like, like okay. Mighty Joe Young is kind of like a King Kong. Would be like a King Kong episode, even though no, it would be a King Kong like movie okay this is a max one where it would be a king kong adjacent movie okay yeah totally <laughs> is one i don't know why it would be one. <laughs> anyway i just saying uh we really need to cover this movie where she has an affair with the chimpanzee <laughs> De- totally dude <laughs> i've been with you on that from the beginning okay. i just wanted to make sure we did it right um speaking of like pushing the envelope i don't know if witches are enough of monsters to like i don't know if you count them as monsters but i really want to do some witch movies the ben jesuit make me into witches one of my favorite movies ever i'm like suspiria yeah i figured sorry to cut you off i just wanted to guess right remake was directed by someone whose name i can't pronounce who also directed uh Call Me By Your Name, which stars Timothy Chalamet. Whoa. Bam. Dingle dongle. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to watch that movie. I have not seen it yet. Yeah, it's amazing. The 77 one is the original, right? It's, yeah, it's amazing. Dario Argento, one of my nice. faves. I have, it, I have it. I just got to watch it. Um, um, yeah, let's do witches. There's also a lot of political stuff with witches because you get into like uh, – there's lots yeah. of witch movies with uh, witch hunting kind of stuff. Um, Dude, I'm I'm reading Caliban and the Witch right now by Silvia Federici, which is about, uh, like expanding Marx a lot of Marxism to incorporate women more, which includes like the witch hunts and their reproduction being used as like primitive ca- uh, accumulation of capital. Blah blah blah. <laughs> it's a bunch about witches, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm. I think Hell maybe yeah. these two things together are making me just think about witches a lot right now. I, I love witches. They're one of my favorite monsters, quote. Well, we're going to have to watch some witch movies, dude. Hell yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, what did you think of that scene in general? I mean, they have to do that scene in every Dune, right? With the, the uh, box, the hand box. Yeah. The box in the hand. The hand of the box. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, no, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember what the David Lynch's version was. I feel like I preferred that. Didn't that I... one had like the trippy shots of his hand melting and stuff, which was pretty cool. But yeah, they couldn't do that again. That's what. That's what. That's what I was thinking. Like there's, there's a yeah. lot trippier. Um, which in general Definitely. that movie was trippier. Uh, but yeah, I, I still really like this though. Um, it's, I, I, I thought it was done well. Yeah, I don't know. Totally. Yeah, I mean, that scene, it's just two people standing in a room pretending, one pretending something hurts, so mm-hmm. it's all in the actors, and yeah. these are good actors. They they did a good job. Yeah. Um, 
Should we, uh, anything else with the Bene Gesserit in general? Um, no. Because, I mean, most of this in this part is just, like, it's just really what Jessica gives us, really, that what we're given so far, kind of, right? And the one conversation when they're walking together after the Gamjavar scene. Yeah. Um, where she kind of gives the, the background and... Yeah, and then, um... Yeah, I mean, I guess we could talk just in general about Ben right about the the seeding of uh, um, the Messiah legend and stuff like That's that. That's what I was going to say. Because I was going to say the next scene is like they're going, they're landing in uh, Arrakis and uh, all the the people are like calling um, whatever Paul's, whatever yeah. their name for Messiah is, uh, a voice from the other world or something like that. And then she explains that to him like oh they think they see you they see like the realization of their of their legends and he's like you mean they're seeing what the Ben Jesuit told them to see she's, yeah yeah I'm so glad they got that in yeah um, yeah definitely they, I wish it was more but like that's just one of the most important and coolest things of Dune and I'm so glad it's in there yeah uh that's I, I yeah I still think a lot of people are just not and are not going to realize like the intricacies of like this, him being a Messiah and then believing that he is the Messiah has to do with like the centuries of, uh, of, uh, legends that's been ingrained into their culture from, uh, this other, this political, these people with their own political gains. Like, yeah, um, definitely not. It's so weird because it's just like we were talking about the other movie of like, I mean, in general, if I'm like I'm interested in what other people are thinking, I'm obviously asking those questions, but also like this is you know, there's no objective reason to make a movie. Like it's like the what if this movie was if I thought of it just what do I think of it having read the book? It's so different, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just interesting because you can look at it from all those angles. But uh I was thinking the same thing and just like anything else, like it's crazy to me in both movies to not know that this is like our timeline of humans and it's yeah. that much later and the war with the machines happened, but also it kind of works on the other levels, but I do know those things. So those things are there and references yeah. to those things work for me. So it's just interesting. But one thing that really surprised me is I started to try to explain that to my mom during, and she like cut me off. I don't remember how I was saying it, but she was like, yeah, because they plant, like they planted that there. Like, or oh. like, because they're, they're just believing what's like, culturally there and i was like whoa okay yeah so she mind. totally got it um, that's awesome yeah totally um and i do like in this one too i think and i'm sure this is in the book too but he's uh they're like they say something like they're here because you fill the same role as the harkonnens like the harkonnens would make them be there and so it's just interesting showing like the nuance of like these aren't it kind of maybe i'm probably thinking harder I'm just projecting onto it, but that's fine. It's interesting to me. When I see that, what I think of is that these aren't just blank slates that are told this thing about a Messiah, and so they believe it. They're not blank slates who hear that they have to be there because the Harkonnens were their rulers and told them. They're like complicated people having to live between all mm-hmm. of these things and figure out what works best for them. And so like, they just it's cool to hear that there's conflicting ideologies being thrown at them. Yeah, definitely. And then they all get fucking murdered. <laughs> or a lot of them do. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, dude, the part where, uh, sorry, that just made me think of the, the, they do the whole scene with the date palms about how it's like water for a hundred men, but mm-hmm. they're sacred. And then showing the date palms on fire during that attack was so oh, heavy. I like, don't, I didn't even pick up on that. Um, yeah, they like, they're just on, they're like, yeah. like fucking torches. And it really just adds so much more than if you had just the buildings and shit uh-huh. exploding. That was off topic, though. Okay, should we move on from Ben and Jezra to House Harkonnen? House Harkonnen, yeah. Or Harkonnen. Harkonnen, Harkonnen, Harkonnen. Um, so they just cut Sting, right? Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. They could have just Sting, brought Sting man. in and been like, they, "Hey, you're you're fucking the nephew again." Just do exactly what you did last time. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Just here we have we still have the. He's like, oh, he's like, don't worry, I still have the the underwear. The copies. <laughs> Um. Yeah that 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 was kind of weird though because I mean that is a character in the book right like the Duke has or the Baron has two nephews right I believe yeah I yeah. think so and I think and he's the one that he has to like fight with mm-hmm. but I will so- say I heard that he was getting cut like early early in production and I was so relieved because that was my least favorite part of the book was like okay. the ongoing thing with Paul and that guy and it uh-huh. just felt like such a side thing. Um, I didn't like it, but it's also been forever, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was that was weird that they cut that, but I yeah, well, that whatever. It works fine. I mean, because he, he, yeah. he never really outside of the battle at the end, he never really plays that major of a role other than just kind of like being another character that hammers in how uh, horrible the Harkonnens are. Um, yeah. But yeah, really, one nephew is enough to kind of cover it. Totally. Um, So what would you think of, I guess, the Harkonnens in general or either of the actors? Um, Yeah, so Dave Bautista, he plays the nephew. uh, Rabin, I guess is his name. Um, I thought he was was really good. Uh, I don't know how long he's been acting because he he was a wrestler. Yeah. uh, but I thought he, he played the role pretty well. Uh, the guy who played the role in David Lynch's, I also really liked him. So yeah, I liked them both. Um, uh, totally. that, that guy was in a classic horror movie. Dave Bautista has not been in a classic horror movie. So I prefer that other guy, but, uh, <laughs> he's been in, uh, he's really funny in the guardians of the galaxy movies. He's great. In oh, those. I forgot he was in those. Yeah. I've never seen those, yeah. but I, now I can picture that, though. But this is the first non-comedic role I've seen him in. And yeah, I think, I mean, just like so many other characters, there's not a ton of time with him. Mm-hmm. But you get a lot out of everything he does. Like, the he's just like, I definitely think of the nephews as very immature and childish. Like, they mm-hmm. just haven't matured mentally. And you just get that from, like, he, like comes up to the Baron with these wide eyes, like, this can't be happening. Like, yeah. this isn't fair kind of thing. And then loses it. Yeah. And that's all you need to know. I was about like, to bring that up. It, yeah. That first scene where he just comes in and he's just like, he, the emperor gave away our planet. Ah. And then, uh, Piter and the Baron are both like, yeah, it's part of a fucking plan. You, when you fucking is a dumbass. Gift, yeah. Not a gift. <laughs> Yeah, it, it contrasts really well, like in, in, I'm just realizing this, I don't, I don't know if one's better than the other, but it's just such a contrast from in Dune 1984, mm-hmm. they, 
both just seem like wacky, similar weirdos, like mm-hmm. the Baron and him. And in this, it's such a contrast from him freaking out to like the super slow yeah. Baron, like rubbing his head. And it, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, to jump onto that, the, uh, I mean, just switch over to the Baron. Uh, yes. It's so, so different than the, the Baron in uh, 1984. It's just, uh, and I, I kept saying when talking about that one, like, I had an idea of, like, an aura of gravitas around him. Yeah. And, like, this is what I'm talking about. This Baron has just, like, so much gravitas. But then I'm like, he doesn't feel as disgusting as he should. No. <laughs> so no. I feel like the perfect Baron would be, like, a, a halfway between this and the other and the 1984 Baron. this guy Baron. just grosser. Because, um, yeah, they, they do – I mean – it is interesting. I wonder again if I hadn't seen anything because it's like mm-hmm. he is this guy who's like weirdly rubbing his head and sweating and like floating in black liquid and just yeah. like, Ugh. so maybe that'd be so gross to me. In fact, my mom went so gross, <laughs> um, but it's not enough. Like I don't mm-hmm. get the hedonism angle. He seems much better in that he like does seem like someone who would have really long term plans and who would be calculating an evil way more but that then doesn't seem like someone who's you know just like hedonistic in the same Mm -hmm. way um other than the like kids pouring the black stuff on him which i gotta say was a that was pretty cool of like yeah, it felt like them referencing how spice and oil and this guy oil baron kind of thing. He's just in this black pool, and it looked the bubbles looked really cool. That was cool, but it again, it wasn't hedonism. It was just like weird, gross, and yeah. not enough of that. Yeah, one hundred percent. What did you think of the actor? Um, I thought he he was great. Uh. Yeah. Once again, just um, portraying that gravitas. Uh, I, I I prefer Kenneth McMillan's, um portrayal of that Baron, just because he he just like threw himself into it, just like amazingly. Like he's just like you could totally tell he just loved playing that role and just going as fucking out there as he could. Uh, well, this guy, you know, I mean, like we we're just discussing, he's such a much more restrained Baron, and yeah. so like there isn't as much to love about it, I guess. But I think he did, he did do that kind of restrained gravitas uh, perfectly uh, well. Uh, the director cannot have asked for more from him, I think. Yeah, totally. I think he did it such a good job of being patient with Rabon and or whatever his name is in a, in a way that felt like he's just not there his body doesn't matter like mm-hmm. i'm not saying this is like i don't know it's weird that he's like he's missing because he's just he's not in the moment he's just kind of quietly waiting and like you can tell he's a little annoyed or frustrated but he's but he's just yeah. i don't know how to put it yeah there's just this crazy gravitas like the like i have only one requirement yeah income squeeze rabbit and then like and the fremen kill them all like it's nothing to him it's just yeah coming out of him he's not even there it's yeah it's interesting um and then uh so then there's piter uh his mentat and yeah once again i feel like halfway between this and 1984s would be like my ideal yeah. one i feel like in the 1984 one like 
he didn't look much like kind of because like in the book i just kind of picture him as this like cold uh sociopathic uh kind of psycho and then like the 1984 one is kind of more he didn't really see how that character actor he, always is <laughs> uh chucky it's the guy that does yeah. chucky um oh nice brad dorf uh yeah like he didn't seem like that cold and uh calculating i guess uh, 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 uh while this one like he very much looked it but he still I don't know. He just didn't come across as like a killer in this. And there was, I mean, he almost wasn't a character in this. Yeah. Um, Polka Dot Man. Oh, that's him. Yeah. Oh, he's so good as Polka Dot Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he. The, yeah, he didn't really come across as that much of this of anything. Um, in in general, just that was making me think of Mentats. Um, I liked with the other Mentat how they did the calculating thing with the white eyes, mm-hmm. but the lip thing just didn't work for me. Like, it's not, it didn't look like the juice of a drug. It just looked like a mark they give themselves. Yeah, it definitely did look just like a mark. Um, also, yeah, uh, speaking of the Mentats in general, I, I think this movie largely glossed over them. Like, even, mm. um, the Trades Mentat, uh, thiefer or whatever his name is yeah like you just don't see that much of him like he's only there when they're like totally. oh what about this and then he like has an answer for them and then that's just like all he is all that's... well there's the one scene where he tries to resign also but yeah where he, he's where not he what? much he tries to resign oh yeah yeah i was just say that's just like a quick thing where he's like i should resign and then the duke is just like no we go find me some spies and yeah yeah. No, I think that's literally it, is like those two mm-hmm. scenes, basically. And I think it did a better job than 84 of getting the idea that they're computers, because yes, in that movie I was just definitely. fucking confused. But also, he, they're not really characters in this. No. And they're like such a huge part in the book where they're like like the backbone of like these of these noble houses, because they, I mean, they're human computers. They do all this computing, yeah. and they like have the security, and they like do this strategic planning like um and yeah they're just barely in this totally and not to mention that whole side plot where the baron kind of like kidnaps him and forces him to be his oh yeah yeah although i guess we wouldn't have gotten to that yet true 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 yeah so maybe they'll come in more yeah that's one of the things that makes it hard to see it does feel to me like they're saving a lot for the next movie um and yeah we'll just have to see with that all right dude let's talk about the fremen i fucked up i wrote down and meant to tell you that alia was baby spice and scary spice and paul was sposh spice or posh spice and then ask you who you thought sporty spice and ginger spice were but i was so high i was just like and i'll tell you my backups yeah i was kind of pissed off that you didn't ask my opinion about i know I can um, feel that, and I think there's been a lot of tension because of that moment, and I just wanted to dig yeah. into it now. So, if anybody listening thinks this episode has been bad, it's because I've been pissed off at Rabbit this whole time because of shit that he fucked up on. I mean, yeah, it it has been a bad one, and that's why. Like, uh-huh. we, yeah. I like to own up to when we make mistakes. <laughs> so, the only mistake we made <laughs> all episode... <laughs> 
this part going on too long and me <laughs> not asking you, Sporty Spice, Ginger Spice, who they are. Okay, I think Bjork is Baby Spice. Bjork is? Yeah. Like the, the musician? Yeah. She's Baby um, Spice. My ex just got COVID at a Bjork show last week. Wait. Way to go, Bjork, you fucking vaxi anti-vaxxer. Doubt that's true. Um, um I, I didn't know Bjork was on tour. That's I, I saw her in concert uh I don't know, two thousand eight, two thousand somewhere around there, two thousand seven. Did you get COVID? Um, I did not get COVID. I got nice, uh dude. I got bat flu <laughs> uh you don't you don't want to get say who sporty spice and ginger spice are i got swan flu there we go um no she was, I, oh i get it because yeah yeah uh, yes. okay i'm gonna move on okay. <laughs> uh what do you think of the fremen um they didn't look that free man nice um, obviously, Javier Bardem, 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 yeah. um, much better Stilgar than Everett McGill. As much as I love Everett McGill, uh, he did a really good job, especially considering the entire Fremen half of the book was cut out, and it wasn't yeah. in that movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought he did awesome. Yeah, I, I. He Javier was like the probably the only actor going into this where I was like, oh, I re I like I really like him, which mostly based on uh, No Country for Old Men and Perdita Durango, but uh, that's enough where he was yeah. the actor going into this. I was like, oh, that's my guy, and, and yeah, he was great. Nice. I didn't know he was in it, and I kept he. Like, I, I'm one of those people that gets obsessed when I know a face. I need to know who it is. Mm -hmm. And it was driving me nuts because he's, like, mm -hmm. mostly wrapped up. And I couldn't figure it out for yeah. until the end. And I was so frustrated. Um, if he had had yeah, that he's... dumb haircut, you would have known. It's true. Yeah, he was awesome. It still kind of feels weird that we're in this, like, super woke part of culture. And there still mm. weren't any, like, Middle Eastern actors is fremen yeah right? i mean i don't know who some of them were but you're right totally yeah it's, it's just yeah you it just seems like obviously this culture is very much or the, the fremen are very much based on like middle eastern culture you would yeah. it just seems weird that like okay back in 84 they just didn't think about that shit at all everyone had to be white and except for the occasional thing and then now we're in this period where it's like we try to like be ultra sensitive to to that kind of stuff and still there's no middle Full eastern disagree hard disagree but i think that yes that we're in an area era where uh companies like this one are capitalizing on the perceived notion that like they oh, want to oh. do it right and not get in trouble Totally, um, totally. I'm not so saying it's like because because the producers are like, oh, we have to make sure we're sensitive to to all yeah. this. It's obviously just because they're they're just like wokeness uh, is wokes in. Like, yeah, it's, it's just I guess it just shows that they don't 
they don't get it at all. They're not actually mm-hmm. sensitive uh, because, yeah, like you're saying, yes. then then pick the obvious people. <laughs> I, uh, I was I was wondering if like the people who even more in the movie were coded as Middle Eastern uh, were played by Middle Eastern people, like the people that you can't see their faces at all, like the crowds. And yeah. that would be a whole nother <laughs> issue if only people who are totally hidden were. Yeah. Um, one, I, I really liked how the Fremen were depicted in this. I think that they just felt like they actually were part of the desert in certain ways and really good fighters. Like the shots of them jumping out of the sand and attacking in slow motion and shit are Mm. fucking cool to me. Um, um, and not related to that, but, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to cover it, um, but I really liked how the Sardaukar fighters, how they kind of just like float, floated in from above. Um, yeah. Um, obviously not related to the Fremen, but because we're talking about the fighting, I, I thought yeah, that was yeah. a, a really cool thing too. But yeah, the Fremen like jumping up from the well, sand was... That's a cool contrast, right? You have the yeah. people coming up from the ground and the people coming down from the sky. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a perfect and metaphor for yes, the for situation. Co- for what? For the situation, these people yeah, coming yeah, from space. Yeah, because the, the colonialists are... are falling in, and the, yeah. the natives are coming from the ground. Perfect. And they belong to the ground. They're part of the yes. desert. The whole yeah, works really well. Um. So yeah, that was awesome. I thought the there were a few things that uh there were a couple shots where people and I know this is getting into like worm territory, but where the Fremen's like uh deployed the hooks that I felt like they did really they added a lot of oomph knowing that that means they want to ride a worm even though like somebody watching it for the first time wouldn't know the Mm -hmm. first one is kinds is that her name yeah um when she's like it's just cool to know if i'm if i don't know that the world she like is on her own she puts out a thumper and you're like why would someone put out a thumper to their location yeah and then she like deploys the spikes and it's so cool and you don't know why and i think it works if you i bet it works if you do know or if you don't know because if you do you're like oh that's epic and if you don't you're like this is weird why is she doing this there's stuff i don't understand then she dies and you don't get to know and that moment to me where she says like i only have one uh where she says i serve only one master and his name is shy halud and then she does her fist on the ground like yeah i love that practical and ritualistic at uh-huh. once it was so good um kind of a uh, building off that uh also that death scene i really liked they stab her and you see this gush of not blood but water that shooting yeah. out from her i thought that was such a cool detail um totally uh, and also metaphorical because it's like water is all life especially here yes. and like uh yeah um and just just really neat detail that you wouldn't expect to see water gushing out <laughs> definitely um um there's more i want to say about that scene having to do with the worms we'll get there when we get to the worms more i guess i uh i could be completely wrong was the guy that stabbed her was that supposed to be the leader of the sardaukar i have no idea i thought okay. it was just some sardaukar folks it might have just been some random Sardaukar, but 
like I felt like in the face and like his voice kind of seemed like the the leader that uh Piter like was talking the guy talking, that they talked to the the yeah. guy that Piter is talking to about like the yeah. squadrons um but I could be completely I think you might wrong be right as soon um, as you said the guy who stabbed her I pictured that dude's face but I don't know yeah I'm Folks, you can find out by watching the movie. <laughs> well, I didn't find out by watching the movie, so maybe well, they because can't. you weren't thinking about it, but you sure. they got it. <laughs> um, one thing I thought was really, oh, I guess we're talking about kinds. Anything else about kinds? Um, I wondered if there was like a backlash because uh, in the book, kinds is male. So I was wondering if maybe there was a contingent of nerds who were just like, how dare they they get all woke and cast a, a female as a kinds. Um, I just feel like idea? Dunes is a little too hard to read for people who are such dumb little pathetic shits. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like if Paul had been changed, they'd be like, "Oh, I technically know, but they're not. They didn't get far enough to know kinds." Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I don't know if there was. It was so. I don't remember if there was or not, but I'm glad it wasn't epic. If there was, yeah, um, yeah, has no bearing at all on anything that the gender was changed. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, I don't know. Both in this, I I think I brought up in the last movie, in the book. Kinds feels more important than both in this and the last movie. Um, the book. Sure. In the book, uh, he really kind of has more thematic weight to him than he really does in this because he he kind of represents like he's. He's had this foot, and he knows like what everybody else thinks, but he really is a Fremen. So he kind of has he's this kind of bridge between the cultures, and he helps communicate their kind of uh, desires and wishes for uh, the a world that can have water, and um, because yeah, they're also like a scientist who who I think believe they him or his father like uh, formulated the plan to like how they're going to bring water to this planet and they represent this dream that that Paul promises that he'll see through and mm. and be able to give them and he he also kind of brings forth some kind of the more uh like he talks about how the worst thing that can I think I said this last episode the worst thing that can come to people is like believing in a hero or something like something along those mm. lines so yeah, he's adding to the major themes. Yeah, which, there's a lot yeah. more thematic weight to the character than you really get in this. As definitely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I did like that they at least went into like when they were showing the plants, and she was like, "Oh, our plan was to terraform," but then they found the spice, and basically, industry was like fuck a livable planet we want the spice um i'm glad that was introduced but yeah it didn't have like a strong connection to her or and it didn't yeah that's that's the mm-hmm. that's all of it yeah um so not related to the characters i'm i was kind of i'm kind of confused about the spice so spice is what enables galactic traveling so like 
what was there before spice? How did they discover spice? Like, yeah. How was there travel before that? Yeah. That's a good question. Was this? I'm sure somebody knows the answer, but that's a good (laughs) question. It was the origins of mankind on Arrakis in the first place, and that's where. No, I I think that I think that what they're saying is that, like, you know, it's like saying where, how did we travel around the Earth before gasoline? We did. It was just you couldn't have this form of traveling that we, this kind of society, this kind Mm -hmm. of galactic empire, now with the slow traveling pre-gasoline and they couldn't but like i'm assuming it just took generations to get there and shit Um, okay but i don't know okay um you're probably right oh okay so one thing i really liked in this movie that i was not expecting at all was um uh jamis being in paul's visions as like a teacher you know, like Jamis is, do you know who Jamis is? He's the guy who kills in the end, right? The, in the duel? Yeah. yeah. So he's in two of his vision in Paul's visions. Right, and he, he gives like speeches and here, let me, let me find them. Um, so my favorite part of the movie is the first one where they're in. And I mean, we're kind of talking about the ecology now, so it all ties together, but they're in the sandstorm and he's trying to, like, she's saying the litany of death. Lady Jessica's saying the litany of death. And Paul is calm and starts having this uh, vision. And it's Jamis. And he says, The mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. A process that cannot be understood by stopping it. We must move with the flow of the process. We must join in. We must flow with it. And then he opens up the worm spikes. And then later he says, You have much to learn. I will show you the ways of the desert. Come with me. And so it's really, you're getting fed this idea the whole time that, like, the visions are all directly literal visions of the future. And then that's completely cut down by him only, you know? It's fucking cool to me. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Um, Yeah, I don't think that that is, I don't think that's how they have it in the book, which... I don't think so either. Which, uh is interesting because one of my main I don't know main criticism but one of my criticisms of the movie is like I feel like it kind of was too faithful to the book in most aspects um uh and so yeah the the props to that um that's 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 neat yeah I I, it's interesting because on the one hand I mean I just love the that speech he's giving is like just fucking sick like it's like this movie couldn't go into all of the themes of the book because it or to most of them because it couldn't complete them and so it had to kind of grab out things that were important that you could portray with this part of the story and the thing we talked about last time of going along with the ecology instead of trying to fight it going along with the flow i'm reading a thousand plateaus right now so some people who know that might know why I'm so stoked on flow, but basically just not, you know, like anti colonizer mindset, not trying to like just put stuff down and put up boundaries and put up borders. And I thought that was just fucking sick. And it's so interesting then that the flow, you know, that it's almost like uh meta, like the, 
you would think that they had created this system in the movie that you now understand where these visions are literally going to come true and then you have to go with the flow of the movie and break away from that idea and think of it on a new level of, oh, come with me? What does that mean? Oh, I'm showing you the ways of the desert by fucking fighting you and you killing me. Now you're learning the ways of the desert. You've killed a man. Like, it's just fucking cool. Yeah. I'm stuck on flow because I've been watching my compilation of progressive commercials my vhs compilation <laughs> your wait your your vhs compilation of progressive like the car insurance company commercials yeah flow the the <laughs> uh character that that does like all the commercials she's like redheaded she brown and, hair or maybe it's brown um yeah i don't her, know her name's okay. flow and she's she's like their main Come on, she's she's a classic. You're getting way too deep into the theory stuff, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm the smart one of the podcast. I can't remember what I can't remember. Flow, I'm sorry. I, she's like the greatest car insurance uh, sponsor, or the greatest car insurance that's, mascot of all time. That's pretty high praise. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, maybe not the greatest because there is the general. Um, Totally. The general's pretty... No, Flo's better than the general, for sure. Okay, yeah. The general really gets in your brain and fucks you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. I thought the... We've talked about some of the ecology already. The date palms, the um, mm. the plants, the this idea of, like, flow. But that... I mean, that's one of my favorite things about the book. And I do think they did it well. Because, like, even then, he's talking about the sandstorm. It's during the sandstorm. But he opens up the spikes because it's true of the worm, too, right? You think of the worm yeah. as just a villain, but you can ride it. Um, is there any other ecology stuff that came up for you in this? I know I fucking said a bunch of it or most of it or all of it. Uh, not off the top of my drunk head. Oh, I have one more. Sorry, I just have it written down. The desert mouse collecting its own sweat. That was nice. Cool. The Muad'Dib. Yeah. I thought that was really fucking cool. Um, I also like, I believe in the last movie, he based his name because like the, sh- uh, the shadow of the moon of the mouse. Um, yeah. Well, on this one, he actually sees the mouse going around, which I believe is how the book was. And like, I was confused in the last movie. Like, why not just show the desert mouse? Why are you doing this whole mouse on the moon type of thing? Um, because uh, but... the moon is its own thing in the book, but maybe it's one of those economy things. Maybe Lynch was trying to combine yeah. two important things. But I just think the desert mouse is so cute, and I liked watching yeah. it. I liked watching it take its own moisture. Totally. Drink it. Uh, oh, yeah. Love that. Uh, Love it when anybody does that. I was disappointed that they never say Muad'Dib in this uh, movie, though. Because They'll get there. If you listen to the audiobook... They say they say Muad'Dib so much, and they give it like this weight every time they see it. So she's like Muad'Dib. Oh no! Mu'adib. In this, they said Ma'di. What? In this, they said Ma'di instead of Muad'Dib. It was like I was watching with subtitles. It was like M A H D I. Must be different. Must be different. <laughs> How? <laughs> just, just a different concept. Yeah. Sweet. Earlier, we were talking about like how um, this isn't anything smart to it, but we were talking about how you can't picture bullfighting in this kind of a uh, universe. It's just like such a hard thing to picture. Um, 
that made me think like it's really interesting. We've seen so little animals at all in this. Like we see yeah. the desert mouse, we see the head of a bull, and then in this movie we see that on planet Harkonnen or the Harkonnen's planet they have like a little oh yeah some weird creature that's yeah. there for like twenty seconds. The many legged <laughs> um, weird ass thing that just seems, yeah, like the, just stays in the room with them. It's yeah, so and they're weird. like get out. Uh, but there's like the only animals we see in this, which is yeah. kind of weird. It makes me wonder like what kind of animal life is on these planets. Uh, yeah, like where um, are the pugs? Where are the cats yeah. that we make? <laughs> More where... pugs. <laughs> It's very confusing. Um, um, Chani, Chani is it Chani or Chani? I don't know. There, there isn't really much to her yet. Uh, yeah, nothing. Uh, we see her a bunch in the visions, and then she shows up, and she's like, "I don't think you're actually the savior, or whatever, and you're gonna die." Um, yeah, which is different than how she is in the book. Because uh, in the book, she's like more helpful to Paul, and she's like giving her him tips on how to fight Janice. Um, okay, so that was kind of an inter- interesting juxtaposition. Uh, I feel like they're trying to do that to give her kind of more, um, more strength. I guess yeah. not like she was immediately like taken in by this uh, outsider. Um, yeah, but it gave her more strength, and it still allowed her to be helpful like she mm-hmm. has compassion for him she gives the weapon she says like don't worry it'll be a quick death like she does yeah. seem like she cares but also she's just like this white boy is not gonna fucking do it yeah um and she has that line that's like in the other movie too that's for some reason funny the like uh oh you went up the hard way let me show you <laughs> it's just funny that these movies are so different but they both took that line yeah as one of the only lines <laughs> That is funny. Um, yeah, and then, like I said earlier, uh, the horrible, horrible, cheesy ending line of, we're j- this is just beginner, we're just beginner, whatever. Like, I, as soon as we left the movie, I was like, that was the st- one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I didn't even notice it the first time. It didn't bother me at all. Oh I notice God. it now that you say it, but I just don't. I feel like I'd have to be trying pretty hard to think that that only meant because there's a new movie, but okay. I get why it feels that way. When I was watching, I was just like, holy shit, that was just, what the fuck? How are you going to end it with that? How are you going to end this epic thing with such a fucking stupid, stupid moment? Yeah, totally. I, was, I can picture it. I was it. upset. <laughs> um, last thing I want to say about the Fremen is I, I already mentioned really loving this scene, but the scene with Stilgar coming into the atreides compound the spitting and the like Mm. just everything showing that they had such different cultures Mm -hmm. i thought was done really well i really liked that (laughs) yeah um i also really liked duncan idaho how and once again i think jason will is a really good actor how he really portrayed that he kind of is really uh enamored with with these people yeah Yeah. Um, totally i yeah Absolutely. So let's talk about the worms. I'm all about worms. There's one thing I just want to get off my chest because it's been annoying me this whole time and I need to say it is that I hate how they ride the worm at the end. It's such a bummer to me. It really like 
just save it for when they really ride it. It's just a quick shot. It's like in the same probably 20 seconds of her saying, like, this is only the beginning. And they all see that someone's riding it. And it was just like, I know you all wanted to show that they ride worms so that the audience would see that because they're going to have to wait for a new movie and you want to get approved oh for a my new God. movie. But that, to me, was the cheesy part. I don't think I noticed that either of these last... Now that you say that, I'm like, oh, I do remember seeing that the first time I saw it. I think I checked out... Oh, wow. Yeah, I have no comment on that because I don't remember. It was just... It kind of the proportions looked off. The, the worm didn't look big enough. And... It just was like, really? Like, you did such a... I think, personally, they did a really good job building up the worm in this movie. Like, the... You know, you see the tooth as a blade. Mm -hmm. You hear about it. The mouth opens up, but it doesn't break through. And then it comes out. Like, they did such a good job of that. And then to be like, oh, look at somebody in the background riding a worm. Such a bummer. Like, they could have saved it for the next movie, and it would have been such a cool thing for like years later people they experience like oh wait they're mm. gonna ride those things like do it right <laughs> i don't know bum me out yeah that sounds like a bummer i'm glad i uh, checked out these last two times <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the worms in general how they were done i thought they were they looked pretty awesome uh was it all computer effects um i'm pretty sure yeah I, Which, like, I, the computer if, effects in this, I don't, this has such a small budget compared to, like, a Marvel movie, and it mm -hmm. looks so much better. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the computer effects in this, but still, I'm just always, like, I fucking love practical effects. Like, oh, when yeah. I think back to, like, both these movies, like, my favorite thing is still, like, that, uh, the Guild Navigator and at the beginning of the totally. other Dune. Um, and... But I yeah these these look fantastic. Um, uh, there are some really great shots also where they show you the perspective. Like I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite shots is uh, where they're standing beneath the 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 worm. Um, also, one of my favorite shots that I had initially written down is uh, when they're saving the harvester and Paul is stuck behind because he's tripping out, and then they. Gurney goes to save him, and they're running across, and it's this wide shot, and you see just, like, this fucking mountain of uh, sand just, like, fucking yeah. moving, and it just yeah. gives you this incredible perspective of how huge these fucking worms are. Um, totally. And speaking of the sand, one of my favorite things that they did around the worms in this movie was that, like, it was doing displacement, and so you would start to sink mm -hmm. into the sand as it got closer, that yeah. looked and was so awesome. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, the the perspective of, of, like, how big these worms are, I think this this movie really did well in uh, showing, except for that shot where one's riding, where someone's riding a worm. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> this is what I'm told. Which, which you're taking from my, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, um, they were sick, and I'm so excited to see them in the next movie. Yeah, because we did not get much of them. They, uh, we don't really see them until the last half hour. We, uh, you only see that one swallow in that spice harvester, but, but so yeah, you don't really see them much for the bulk of the movie, and then, which makes sense from a heightening perspective. Uh, yeah, and then all you see all these fuck worms, and we're gonna see so many worms in the next movie. I'm stoked. I'm fucking stoked just for the worms because. 
Hey man, Hell what's yeah. your what's your worm history? <laughs> um. uh, fuck, there's something else I was gonna say. I don't remember, but I'm pro worm. Nice, yeah, worms are good. Uh, yeah. Did you ever play that that video game Worms, the computer game, no. where like? No, you didn't. I never did. Did you, you know about it? I've seen shots of it and I've seen people talk about it, but I don't really, I don't even know what kind of a game it is. It's great. It's like each player, there's all these, there's different worms on a team on a map that's 2D and they have different weapons and they can like pick up weapons that fall and you can only move them a certain amount of space and do one action, one turn, one at a time. And so you're trying to kill each other. It's great. So it's a strategy game? Kind of. It's really simple. I, I do want to say one thing that kind of confused me. So in the beginning of the movie, there's like some vision or Chani is like uh, narrating some um, some plot points, some like pre-movie plot points where yeah. you see the Fremen like uh, battling with the Harkonnens basically and then the Harkonnens are taken off the planet, uh, blah, blah, blah. But in that, she says... And at night, the spice harvesters come to harvest as much spice as they can uh, before the the sun, uh, the heat of the sun comes up. But then later, when the Duke is like inspecting the spice, the spice harvesting, that's in the middle of the day. It's not the middle of the day because it's the morning because they say, careful of the heat. It's early, so it's only 90, but it'll get to 130. OK, I missed that. All right. Then I guess sure. that checks out. But still, she did say the night, and it's not the night. But yeah, I, I bet they get out of there before it's full middle okay. of the day. Okay. All right, um, then. Sorry, I'm stupid. <laughs> you're good. I only remember that because somebody... I was watching someone, and they said, like, Oh, man, how's Paul okay without his head? It's 130. And I was like, no, it's going to be 130. Right now, it's 90. <laughs> or without his, like, helmet. Um, I guess one thing I want to say about just spice and stuff in general is one thing that uh, David Lynch's movie did far better than this one was just way more psychedelic and yeah. fucking trippy. And I'm yeah. assuming they're going to have to lean hard into that in the next one because that's just what that is, especially when they do Dune Messiah. But, like, uh, I did think the visions had some really cool visuals of, like, you know, like shots of sand dunes where you almost couldn't tell if you were zoomed in or uh -huh. seeing a huge, like there was really cool visual stuff. It just wasn't as trippy as I would have wanted. And I thought the scene where Paul runs out of the thopter to help and then kind of gets like high as fuck. Cause he's a, uh, yeah. has a low tolerance. Uh, that was done in a really cool way that made you get this weird idea a that it's really a drug and how it affects you and b that he's like sensitive for some reason one of the trippier moments i guess was uh like there's this he has this vision of um chani like is like on top of a hill and she like displays this battle that's going on beneath her and then it like goes into the battle and you see all these people fighting and then it goes into oh, one of the yeah. fighters and it's paul I really did not like that. Oh, okay. I I'm sorry. I thought it looked like a video game cutscene. Like it. Oh, it yeah. Just, the, it did not the, visually like it was a cool totally. idea behind it. I just did not. I think that was visually one of the weaker moments of the movie, just because I totally. I I don't think the effects were done well. Um, but I I mean con conceptually, I think it was really cool. 
Um, For sure. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it definitely felt a little fake to me. I mean, I I think in general, this movie, it blows my mind how good the CGI is for their mm-hmm. budget. Compared, It's just so much better than the Marvel movies. Like, it's just <laughs> crazy. But there are a few rough spots here and there for sure. And that's one of them where it's just, yeah. it's not even like terrible. It's just there's something a little off that makes it yeah. feel cutscene-y. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Especially when that, when like he portrays his when he like shows his face when it's yes. when it's shown that like it, it's his face under his Paul that's this warrior and like it just his face in that uh outfit like it just does not look right it just looks off and it just yeah really fully. throws it all off yeah fully agree yeah. fully agree it um but yes like you're saying conceptually it is cool there is some stuff in this movie that I really like like that like the also because at that point in the movie you do think the visions probably are going to come true, or at least it mm-hmm. feels that way. And so that one, you're like, oh, shit, that's what's going to happen to Paul? No, what? And then mm-hmm. later when you find out visions maybe aren't so true, it just yeah. makes it be like, then then you start to have to think, what's the meaning of it? Why did he see it? If it's not... So, yeah, it's just cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Yeah, one other trippy scene. I've already talked about it. The I didn't talk about one aspect though. Was when they're when they're in the the sandstorm. There's something about the contrast that I of Lady Jessica saying the litany of fear and Paul having this vision about going with flow and letting go, and then him letting go. That to me says a lot, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but it does feel like I like the litany of fear. But there's something that feels like Lady Jessica is just trying to suppress an emotion and he's maybe just trying to go and open up even yeah. though I, I think there's something about the litany of the fear that is like, does have more flow than that. Like it's like, and then I'll look back on its path and it'll just be me. Like, I don't want to make it sound like the litany of the fear is like colonizer thinking or like this stilted emotions, but there is something cool with the contrast there between, you know, what she's thinking and what what he's hearing. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, sorry, I was just sending you a picture of Flo and uh, from Progressive, and then I realized you do your video on your phone. It's like, oh shit, you can't see it. Nope. <laughs> That's cool. I was just you know getting more excited and deeper in it. I know, but you I said Flo. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, that's a good point. You had no choice. <laughs> Uh, all right um concluding thoughts uh i just brought it up so i wanted to ask you um what are you so you know he was greenlit to do part two Mm. and he says he's gonna do at least part two and dune messiah if they let him yeah um what are you excited for them are you do you have thoughts do you have worries do you have things you hope happen where are you at with it I I think I'm mostly ambivalent. Um, I mean, I think he'll deliver a really cool, really awesome looking movie that um, I won't find any depth with, but I really enjoy watching. And I think it'll be more beautiful than a lot of other directors could give me. Um, I would definitely prefer him to... Uh, Max Bay, 
or Michael Bay. (laughs) There's a big, there's a lot of steps between him and Michael Bay, by the way. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, they both do big sci-fi epics. (laughs) Um, Sure. One just has transforming cars and one has uh, cool ass worms. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, that's Michael Bay's. I've always said the main issue is just the lack of giant worms. I mean, you can say that about most directors. Totally. Werner Herzog sucks ass because <laughs> there's no giant worms. Next. <laughs> Man, Grizzly Man would be the best documentary ever if it was worms instead of. I was grizzly about to bears. say, yeah, giant worm. <laughs> Man, that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool that makes sense um, uh yeah i mean I, I i i'll like the movies i'll try to make sure to see them in theaters when they come out they're i don't think they're movies i'll come back to a bunch unless i have to do podcasts on them have to being the operative term there i yeah. mean you're the one that pointed a gun at me That's i'm the one true. that said i'm afraid of guns please don't do that and you said i won't do it if you do the fucking podcast <laughs> um for the record, you really wanted to do the Dune once, and I was like, are you sure we should get back to Godzilla? Um, <laughs> I wanted to do one more episode, and you said, no, too much Dune. I hate worms. <laughs> That's literally true. But it's still going to happen one day. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm extremely excited about the sequels, as you can guess. Um, I am really curious how the hell... Like, my fear, my main fear is that the third one won't get greenlit because the next one is going to be so much even less of an action movie and stuff than this one that I've, audiences are not going to like it. I don't um, know. Cause there's, I feel like there's going to be like some big action moments because there's going to be that, that final battle like at the sure with, with them riding the fucking worms in the battle to destroy the, that's true. Um, okay. But right. there's also gonna be there's also gonna be probably some more abstract moments too. So I think it's gonna be a combination yeah. of the two. Absolutely, the whole water of life and Aaliyah yeah. stuff is gonna be. We'll just see how it goes. And the marriage, like I don't think a lot of audiences are ready for what's gonna happen to Chani. Like it's built up, and then yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what was your dumb cop of the week? You go first. Uh, Duke Duke Leto. <laughs> Really? Yeah. It's just, I like last time I had trouble picking, there's so many idiots. But uh-huh. yeah, he, there's nobody who's like a real dumb cop. So I'm just, yeah, because he's a fucking, like, he's, he's just exploiting people. He's just part of the system. He's just part of the problem. But he, like, probably thinks he's a good guy. Okay. So I was trying to figure this out. That's a good answer, by the way. Um, because just by his position of authority, he is very cop-like in and of itself. Um, yes. I forgot to think of this before we we started recording, so I was trying to think of it like whenever we took breaks. Um, so my joke answer, which was really bad, was uh, the worm that chases down uh, uh, Jessica and uh, uh, Paul because it had a badge that you can only see when you saw it on the big screen and you can't. Tell me otherwise. Um, joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> asshole. I wanted to see it in theater so bad, dude. What? Literally quarantine, you monster. <laughs> um, 
well, there was nobody else in the theater, even on opening weekend. <laughs> and there was like 10 other people, but I'll stretch her out. Uh, the audience doesn't know why I couldn't go. Charlie does. He's being <laughs> cruel. Um, they call me Mr. Scrooge for a reason. Uh, um, I was thinking maybe Dr. Yui. Um, mm, yeah. He reminds me of, uh, uh, who's that Black Panther? There's a movie about him recently where, um, in Chicago, the- Yeah, Judas he, and the Black Messiah. Oh my God. Why can't my brain think of his name? But yeah, he's a fucking snitch. And yeah. for reasons that just yeah. don't even, uh, He's a complete yeah. fucking snitch. Yeah. Um, totally. So, that's, that's a great that. answer. He's mm. like- it, and I and also dumb this. because he was like, oh, I'm going to save my my wife. And it's like, no, your wife's already fucking doomed and you're doomed just for going yeah. through with this. And you're killing just like give you will say that they'll give you shit and they're not going yeah. to. And you're going to fucking rot like the rest of them. Like mm-hmm. there's uh, a lot of figures show that like people who snitch generally don't get like less yeah. prison time than people who don't. Like it's just fucking asshole then yeah snitches are cops that's a great fucking answer dude i think my worm was a better answer but okay <laughs> um what are you gonna rate this movie uh what did i rate last time you listened to that episode why did what does it matter <laughs> it was like so abstract it was like kevin bacon and his and the one of the movies he was in maybe i now i can't remember which movie he was in and that was your rating Friday Thirteenth. <laughs> you didn't know which one it was. You were like, "Is it the first? I is still, it the second? I still can't remember. I know, but that was your rating. I'm just saying, you're if you're trying to compare, there's no right. way okay. So that was a good rating. That's gonna help me decide. <laughs> you did some graboids in there too. Um, I'll give it. Uh, uh, I'm gonna give this movie seven out of ten Dune worms, but. Uh, Three out of six graboids. Nice. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to give this one. It's weird because the length that they say is the longest worm is different in this movie than in the other. So it's hard to give <laughs> a, a thing, but I'm going to give a 375 meter sandworm. But, you know, sandworms have been spotted up to 400 meters. I was, I was going to ask, what are the two different lengths that they give? 450 and 400. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sweet. Both, uh, both smaller than the size of my dick, am I right? Every time we got to get stupid at the end. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no, what did you say? Sorry, not stupid. What did you say last time? The very last thing you said was something about your asshole or something. And then I was like, well, that's. <laughs> I don't remember. But I mean, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. If you don't want metaphors in this in this podcast, then uh, you maybe I'm out. Theory, we'll shut up about Charlie's unit. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you got anything else to say? Are we out of here? Um, I don't want to get political, but uh, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> uh, you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We would like that. You can find us online at... Uh, on Twitter at NoGodsPod. Uh, you can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. 
if you like what we're doing and you want to support the show, you can like get together a bunch of first aid supplies and personal protection equipment like helmets, respirators, airtight goggles, and give them to groups of people who go out and fight the cops and don't snitch. Um, there's groups that you can find or you can just like, like you know, like try really hard and find them. Or you can uh, just and... give it to people that want to look cool. Because yeah, you can give it to any like uh, that'll help them. Anybody look who wants cool. to look cool, like look yeah. cool as fuck, and that'll yeah. help distract. The more people wearing that shit just every day, the less conspicuous it'll be when a group like a horizontally organized resistance group goes out in that shit. You know? Yeah, I, that's, that's that's what, what it's all for. about. Mm-hmm. 